What's up, everybody? It's your old friend, John Middlecoff. I'm here to tell you about our friends at Game Time. Here's what I need you to do. Go to your smartphone, download a little app called Game Time. Baseball season's in full swing. Oracle Park. Been there a million times. Never doesn't live up to the hype. Go get yourself some garlic fries, a brewski, maybe uh, some ice cream. They have very good Ghirardelli ice cream there. And when you do that, promo code HAM. So download the Game Time app. Your first pair of tickets, promo code HAM, H-A-M, save $20. The A's, only going to be in the Bay Area for the rest of this season. You probably can basically go for free. Just buy a pair of tickets to any baseball game. They also have comedy shows if you want to check one of those out, or concerts. Game Time app, promo code HAM, save yourself $20. We don't even need to thank you. Just hammer that promo code. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, everybody. Before we get started, quick message. This will be our only podcast of this New Year's week, but it's not the only content we're doing this week, John. Yeah, we're going to be up all week. YouTube, Hayward Middlecoff. You can find the channel on YouTube. Subscribe to the page. We'll have content up there. We always have the podcast content. So if you can't listen, we do videos as well there with all the, uh, the individual segments that we do. But go subscribe to the YouTube channel. And that's where to find us this week, beside for this upcoming podcast, which we're about to record. It's going to be fire. Haberman and Middlecoff YouTube. Just type that into Google, and your channel will come right up. Middlecoff! Hey, Haberman! Recording the... Is this our final podcast of 2020, then? Is that what we just established? That's a good question. Let me check. Uh, the Yeah, it, it looks like New Year's. New Year's Eve is Thursday. New Year's Day is Friday. So uh, did the Rose Bowl get canceled? The Rose Bowl is being played in Dallas. Yeah. Which is the, is, is the the right move. Major. Because I don't bl- You can't have fucking your families there. That's it's just not going to roll. California has driven that- away the Niners. They've driven away all the rich people. They've driven away the Rose Bowl. It's been a, it's been a rough year for our state, guy. Uh, the Rose Bowl is the thing I'll miss the most of all those things, I think. Uh, I love the Rose Bowl. Yeah, the Rose yeah, Bowl is my favorite. It, I wish the Rose Bowl wasn't a New Year's Day Bowl because now we're starting 2021 on the wrong foot with no Rose Bowl. Like a yeah. Rose Bowl, I wish, was a December 31st bowl game now. I think you you will miss the millionaires soon if they start raising the taxes of they start coming down you know of uh, the, you know they come down the rings guy yeah no I understand it, it's 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 trickle down taxes and the problem the, is the the millionaires aren't selling the home that I want to buy so uh, no but we're gonna need to make up their tax revenue with guys like me and you that don't pay that quite that high rate you know but that's where ease comes in ease.com yes. promo code ham. The more you buy, the more you, the more we pay, but that's okay. Ease.com, promo code HAM, or promo code HAM10. That's where I will applaud the state of California. They've been on the forefront of making our friends in the cannabis industry legal and letting them distribute and sell weed, vapes, 
pre-rolls, edibles. I had a lot of people send me DMs that during the holidays they gave stocking stuffers to their friends, to their family, to their parents, to hell, maybe their grandparents uh, from Ease.com. The number one, let me repeat, the number one cannabis delivery service in America, let alone the state of California, you just go to Ease.com, promo code HAMMER, returning user HAM10, and you walk down there and they deliver right to your house, guy. And I'm, I'm telling you, sometimes you'll press deliver and it'll say like 90 minutes. Then they're there in like 25. Yeah. The, the, the speedy, they, they are quick. I would say right now in my DMs, uh, our listener Craig is the leader in the clubhouse for the uh, Ease purchases. So shout out to Craig. Yeah, keep on purchasing. Appreciate that and uh, see if, you know, Craig's in first place right now. A ham 10 for returning users. Just got to be 21 or over. You get verified online in minutes. And uh, like John said, off you go. Delivery comes in minutes to the home or wherever you are. I, I, I'm not on ease right now, but I've looked up. We're recording this in the afternoon on Sunday. I've looked up a couple times. They have an 8K camera on this Cowboys-Eagles game, and it's been pretty incredible. I saw someone tweet it. Some of the, I mean, it's where we're going to technology. is It's pretty nuts. Yeah, you know, so I was, uh, they used that on the Seahawks game last year as well. Seahawks Niners? Seahawks Niners. Um, and I saw, I, people, are, did, has Fox said anywhere that that's 8K? I've seen people tweeting that it's 8K. I asked a buddy of mine, quote unquote, in the industry last week, and he said, this is what he said, I don't quite understand all the language. He said, it looks to me like they've just re- replaced a standard lens with a prime lens shallow focus. So I'm not I know people are saying that it's H that it's 8K. I'm not positive that it's 8K. He's just saying it's a different lens. Well, I only have 1020p's, so I don't even have the ability to watch 4K. So I I just know it does. You're right. The lens it just feels a little different. If yeah, you don't if have it, 8K on your TV, you don't see 8K. Yeah, right? I don't think it is a I from what I've been told, it's just a shallow focus lens. So it it's what you would use for very close subjects to blur to get that the background blur. And I wonder so how looks, much better 4K is than just 1020p. It's a great question. I don't know, but just the the other point on that was, it's just what I was told. What the guy told me was just that uh, it it you it's they have it, th- those lenses have always existed or have existed for a long time. They just haven't been able to shoot live with them. That they got some you know. I, he, his guess was like it probably drains a battery in five minutes. Um, Jesus, just because it's such a, I don't know. Just, he said you probably we'll just think, have to think. We'll think about swap this in batteries like, all the time. So I'm not by two by, by two thousand by two thousand twenty five. You know, just you just always the way technology works. Like at first it drains a the battery, then a couple of years they'll have it. Like it, it's clear where it's going. Exactly. Well, like I started thinking the other day because I got we got one of those uh, one of those chargers that you just put your phone on it for Christmas. Yeah. You know, you don't plug it. It's what is it called? Like a Q QI charger. I got one of the double ones, so you can put two phones on it at once. Bam! You just put the phone on it, you pick it up, right? And you never have to plug it in because you know there's one thing that's inconvenient, John. It's using two hands, one to unplug the cord, the other one to pick your phone up. I'm over it. (laughs) You guys are big. Like you, you're really into Siri. You're into that. You guys, uh, you're very technologically advanced when it when it comes to the convenience of the phone. Then I just started thinking, like one day. Right, your debt. I mean, I'm sure it'll be built into your desk. You just drop the phone down on the desk. There'll be a corner of it that's wiped. But one day, will I be able to just charge this phone by, I don't know, like throwing it at the wall? I mean, it's just one day I'll be able to. This phone will charge wirelessly. I'll probably plug something into the wall in the house, and any device that is getting that signal is getting charged somehow. 
If I told you I that agree. exists in 10 years, wouldn't you believe me? Yeah. So I well, like see you you are very into Siri. You talk into your your remote. Like yeah. I don't do any of that stuff. I don't there's a weird you know, I'm very pro technology. I'm not that into voice technology. Something about it, I don't know if it weirds me out. If I like the process, maybe I'm a little old school. With like I like to manually text. I like to uh, do the guide. I know a lot of people that talk into the remote. Like that's yeah. just something I'm I, for whatever reason I'm adamantly against. I don't know where the channels are, so I'm not gonna look for them. I don't want to pick it up. I just hands free is is my preference. I yeah, hate see, texting. I, I, I just, do it all the time, but I hate it. I just hate it. Too much. I fucking. Lo- I'm gonna. I love bo- texting. We're, we're, we're gonna have a generation of just like thumb surgeries. Uh, and but I'm I'd gonna argue be, this, I'll be first yeah. in line. I'm going to need it because I do it all the time because here's the problem. Uh, Voice texting is so inefficient because why well, I, I wouldn't know. Does it not work? Well, it's just I'll this use is- it a lot for like simple things, right? Like, hey, Siri, text middle. And then I'll be like on in five like that works. But yeah. a lot of things beyond that don't it's it's just a pain. It just I get so angry. It's like, no. And then you have to re-say it and they get the thing wrong. And it's just. Yeah, but something about Siri. I've I've red flagged her a long time ago, guy. Shitty at her job, John. He's getting away with <laughs> no, it. I know. Uh, it's a service nobody else offers me. So until I get a personal assistant that can transcribe all my text messages, well, that's, that's why I don't blame anybody that has an assistant that sends their messages or a car service. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm jealous of those people. <laughs> if I can tell Siri to send the car around, that would be ideal. I guess maybe that's what a Tesla does. You need one of those too. All right, John, the, uh, the 49ers, in a league that, as you told me before we started the podcast, it's just hard to tank in football, and it's really hard to tank uh, with Kyle Shanahan and Robert Sala right now. In fact, they refused to do it. They beat the Cardinals on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we know for a fact, just overall, any team, let alone the Niners, tanking does not exist. Now, it's fun to talk about, and we're going to continue to throw around those words, and losing big picture is the better thing to do always. But no coach, whether you're as good as Kyle Shanahan or whether you, we think you're as shitty as Adam Gase, ever tries to lose a game. That's just, that's a fact. Kyle, they had been losing games with Nick Mullins because Nick Mullins really sucked, right? Not because they were trying to lose. Whether it was the Cowboys game, whether it was, I can't even, the Seattle game, whether it was the Washington, like they were losing because their quarterback was atrocious, not because they were cool with, you know, losing more games and having a crappier record to benefit them in years past. They, they are not trying to do that. Uh, and clearly, like, Kyle is just good enough, right, to just win. I mean, he's playing a team that was 8-6, and six, which controlled their own playoff destiny, which was kind of falling apart, but clearly had a star quarterback, trades for Hopkins, I wouldn't say it was the apple of everyone's eye earlier in the season, but was like a team that yeah. hadn't made the playoffs in years, and it looked like they were headed right there. I, I think we were all, they're going to the playoffs to now, I mean, we'll see, I guess, what happens in the Packer game. That will affect the Bears game next week. But regardless, like the, they no longer control their own destiny. It's, it's very conceivable that the Arizona Cardinals do not make the playoffs, and to me, the Niners would be a major reason why. Because they win that game, they would be in pretty good shape at 9-7. Right, worst case, even if they lose next week, yeah, that was a devastating loss for the Cardinals. Yeah, devastating. Yeah, but but part of this is you're talking about like who they're playing. Part of it is maybe Cliff Kingsbury, who was not over 500 at Texas Tech, isn't going to be the guy that takes Kyler Murray to the next level, right? Big, like big picture for the 49ers, I think one of the things um, that will always be the case. It's going to be hard to lose a ton of games with Kyle Shanahan, 
especially in a division that I think will consistently be really competitive, but everybody, Niners included, just have flaws, right? Like McVay, who we think is a fantastic coach, Niners have had their number. Now, maybe Robert Sala leaves and things change. We'll see. But as long as Goff is McVay's quarterback, his team will always be something below a top-tier team. As long as Kyler doesn't have a top-tier coach, the Cardinals won't be fully whole. From now in the foreseeable future, uh, the Seahawks quarterback, I think Russ in 2021 right now is scheduled to make like 17 or 18% of Seattle's cap is going to be Russell Wilson's salary, right? So Seattle will always just have to cover up holes. And as long as Russ is elite, they can probably do it. But even this year, you and I don't think they're a true Super Bowl contender. So that's the division that they're in. Everybody is just got these long-term kind of flaws that they're, we'll see what the Cardinals do with Cliff, right? But everyone's got kind of these things they're working through. Now, so will the Niners. They conceivably, they're going to have to replace Robert Sala, who had a hell of a game. On Saturday, right? Well, Cliff's got, not going anywhere. At least, time. well, to me, Cliff's not going anywhere for like at least another year. Yeah, right. Yep. I mean, he, he Kyle, since the beginning of 2019, is seven and one. He's beat McVeigh four times. They're four and zero against the Rams, and they're three and one. Obviously, the one loss came opening weekend this year, but he beat him twice last year in tight games. Now, they, I'm not saying they haven't played him t- close, and the Rams games have all been relatively close. But he's one. He's seven and one. In those four games, or I mean, in those eight games for two years. And when you think this year, the Rams right now, you know, are going to go to the playoffs. But the the Cardinals, like that loss, like at, they're just in, like that was Kyle's just better. Kyle and McVay, we can argue till we're blue in the face because I, I by no means like I think Kyle's better. But, like, McVay's really good, too. And we'll and see. McVay's, you know, hopefully they coached both teams for the next 15 years. and you got to judge them over a longer period of time. Because in the short term, like, McVay's going to have more accomplished, right? He's been to – he also got to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl he was in was close, right? I mean, they, he just couldn't score in that Super Bowl. But he got to the Super Bowl. He's going to go to the playoffs for the third time in four years. Kyle's been once. Like and Golf was his quarterback Giants. when he got to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and every fucking year. So it's just – I, the one thing I think you saw in that game yesterday, I saw Jeff Schwartz tweet this, and he's right, and we've been talking about this for a while. Like, the Niners got to the Super Bowl with pretty average quarterback play. Like, for a lo- large period of that year, Jimmy was average the first half. He got good in the second half, but in the, super, in the playoffs, he didn't have to do much. Just imagine if Kyle Shanahan got competent quarterback play because his teams are physical. Just the, the tone in which he, the way he drafts, the, the type of players he likes. It's just going to come down to the quarterback play. And again, Jimmy Garoppolo finished the season in the stands. So they're going to have two of the last three years, 70% of their games have been started by backup quarterbacks. And he's still like, we'll get into the Raiders. Do you know what? The Raiders have one more win heading into week 17 than the San Francisco 49ers. Think about that. Like, I think it kind of shows you that it's hard for Kyle, even when things suck now, and it couldn't have been any worse. Bosa gone. Kittle missed most of the year. Jimmy, I, fuck, I don't even, I don't know what notes he's taking. Like, are you writing down Patriot plays for next year? Like, the, every game that goes by, and I see Jimmy in the stands, I have a hard time thinking Jimmy's back on this team, man. I, I just do. And then they're just, I get rumors, and I don't, I don't know this for sure, and the people I know with the Niners are not going to tell me this information, I don't know the right guy in the Niners that has nothing to lose and gives me the good shit. 
Like, I, I've heard some things out there that Jimmy could have came back and they've made some business decisions. Like, we know that's not the case with George Kittle. Because the business decision on both sides was like, he wants to play. Kyle kind of felt bad in the sense of like, if he wants to play, what am I going to do? Tell him no. And they let him play. Like, again, Jimmy practices and he sits in the stands and watches the games, right? It's just That's just a fact. Like, that's, just, that's not disputable. Now, how is he 90%? And other players on this team have played with high ankle sprains. I mean, Mostert did it multiple times. Jimmy has not. So you just, I watch this team and I go, Kyle, I mean, we already knew this. Like, Kyle's good enough. Well, I, the, well I just Jimmy go, did does, play does with, Jimmy fit Kyle? Jimmy did play with one and got hurt again. Yeah. So did Jimmy Mostert. Jimmy did play with a high again. ankle sprain and then got hurt again. Yeah. So, but not all high ankle sprains. I mean, you might be right. I'm just saying, like, it's not like he didn't try to play. No, but my point is sprain. he practiced this week. He just didn't play. Yeah, which is fine. He should. I wouldn't play him. I wouldn't have played Kittle either. Now, Kittle, I, I think, I, is probably I had first more, thought that and then watched him play. I kind of changed my tune. Like, I, I get it. No, I, it's, put, it's, I, let me it's not basketball. Clear, I only get it. So many bites of the apple. I wouldn't have played him, but I get it. Like, Kittle is, this is part of the reason why Kittle is one of the pillars of your organization. Like, Kittle does represent the culture. In large part, right? Like, if you watch I, that I, Niner game Saturday, especially if you watch Kittle, who only had, like, four catches, and you didn't know the record, you wouldn't know that this team wasn't playing for anything. My mindset was kind of that all week, and then after watching the game, I realized, like, yeah, it's a, that's a loser mindset. Like, you just play them. Yeah, I mean, I get why they do it. I got no problem with it. I don't want to debate it. I just, I wouldn't have played yeah. them, but it worked out. I hope he gets through week six, seventeen, and then it's fine, and, you know, you don't have to consider whether or not you have a loser mindset. Because I understand it, right? Like I, if, G- if Jimmy wanted to play, play, if Jimmy said, like, Kittle, I want to play, he would play. Yeah, you would think so. But again, it's I don't not, know it's what not his a franchise health. decision. I don't, I don't, whatever. I don't know what his health percentage is versus Kittle's either, right? But Yeah, I, I, my, my point is just from my point of view, watching Jimmy Garoppolo in the stands, watching Kyle Shanahan kick ass with guys just laying it on the line for him, I, 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 my tone has changed and my educated guess has changed. Like, I have a hard time seeing Jimmy back. And I know there are all these variables and shit. Like, I just, I just have a hard time, man. That, Which is fine. Kind and, of and, but even if, I've but I would say, like, that's a legit take, even if he weren't sitting in the stands. Right? He just hasn't been good enough. But his health, even if he's, put it this way, let me rephrase that. If he were sitting in the stands with a cast on his leg, like, if there were no question about whether or not he could play. We should, you should still, to me, you should still have the same thought. Like, is this the guy who's hurt now more than he's healthy? And when he's healthy, doesn't look like a top tier quarterback? Well, he, he is hurt more than he's healthy. Like, well, we I know, that's what I'm saying. I'm yeah. just saying, like, to me, the, the evaluation about whether or not he could play right now is legit. I'm just saying, even if there was no question about it, if he were, if he had a broken leg, you should yeah. still reach the same conclusion. Breer wrote something about he talked to Urban, I guess, a few weeks ago. Uh, and and this week he turned it into like a bigger thing about whether or not Urban would come back to coach the Jags. He talked to Urban about some other stuff, or maybe it was like even back to last season. Maybe it was before the last draft, actually, that he talked to him. But Urban told him that like he's just always been researching just what it takes to succeed, culture, organizations, talking to all the former Ohio State guys. And then he reached a conclusion that basically there are two things that determine whether your organization's good or not. And he calls them culture and criteria. Like the culture that you set, when you walk into a locker room, you can tell the difference between an organization that has its act together and one that doesn't when you just talk to its players. And then by criteria, he's talking about like the kinds of players you acquire, just player acquisition. 
Yeah. And I started thinking about it because you brought up Sala. Like, Boise State, who is a, not a Power 5 organization, and by the, as of the recording of this, they don't have a head coach, but it seems like the reports are it's down to Kellen Moore and Andy Avalos, who one was a star player, right, and then the other Andy was their defensive coordinator. Every time Boise's job comes open, and it's now come open multiple times in the last, like, seven, eight years, the only people they even consider are Boise guys. Yeah. And they always have multiple options. <laughs> they have multiple options of guys that we think are good hires. And I started thinking about that in the context. Like, I think the best thing in this offseason Kyle can do from a defensive standpoint if Sala gets a job, to me, what would be a great representation of the culture is if they do just if D'Amico Ryans becomes the defensive coordinator, right? Like to Belichick me, to me, is that always, is that is that is the move. Pete's always doing it. Belichick's always well, doing it. Just and, promote and, from within. And Andy does it every time an offensive Andy coordinator leaves. It. He bumps up the quarterback yep. coach. It's just that that is how you build the culture because your criteria. Every once in a while, you have to go outside. Like it's not it's understandable. Belichick has right. He brings in guys from the outside too. But when you do have the options from within. You've already had the criteria of choosing the right guy on your staff, right? You, you, your criteria, like one of the reports today was Mike Kafka, sleeper head coaching interview. He's the quarterback coach. Well, what happens if Biennemi becomes a job? Andy's thinking he's going to be the coordinator, right? He moves up. The criteria, like he's developed Kafka. He knows what he's looking for. It happened with Doug Peterson. It happened with Matt Nagy. It happened with James Urban before, who's now with Baltimore. Like that's what you do. That's why, to me... It's it's really impressive just what Kyle like just that they keep especially when you guy they got kicked out of fucking the Bay Area. I was thinking about this watching the Chiefs game, fans everywhere. If I went to Santa Clara right now, I could walk into a Target or Costco and it would be fucking slammed. But the Niners, like there is a bitterness. Like I saw some of their players tweeting on Christmas, like "Merry Christmas" to everyone except the Santa Clara. Like they have gone through something even. Above and beyond what the rest of the league has gone through. They had to move their facility to another state. Like, we haven't even, you don't talk, you kind of become numb to it after a while. But, like, they're gone. <laughs> they, got, they got booted. Like, that was the Cardinals' home game, kind of, right? The Niners have been there for a fucking month. Nothing they're changed. Christmas. Yeah, it's just, it's crazy. And it, it really is wild. Again, like, I'm not trying to pick on John Gruden, but that they basically are separated by one win. That's fucking insanity this year. That's crazy. It's, it's insane. But it's really not like, yeah, Kyle's is better than Cliff Kingsbury. The, the other part <laughs> like of it just, is he's a really good he's a really good coach too, right? Like you watch what they do on offense. Because uh, Urban, one of these quotes from Urban was, it's not whether they run the zone or the stretch or the three-level passing versus the crossing routes. I know that's what people think it is. And yeah, that's fun. That's intriguing. But that's not why certain teams win. You walk in the locker room and you know why they win. You talk to their players. Everyone, the head coach, the GM, everyone aligned in culture and talent acquisition. He's right. So, and that goes back to your point on Kittle. Like, everyone, if you're going to act like you want to win, you can't do it 75% of the time. You can't do everything to win 95% of the time and then sometimes pull the reins back, which it, I, exactly. I understand that's, that take. That's, that's where I've came around. And I think, like, part of it too is like when you factor in the whole thing, you made him come with you to sit in the stands, right. and he's begging you, like, I don't fucking want to sit next to Jimmy taking fake notes. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, this yeah. is stupid. Like, you got to reward your play. players who, who yeah, put in and, all the and, effort. And he That's sees, because when I, when I think going into next year, when I think the heart and soul of this team 
is really going to be like Bosa might come back if he's 100% healthy, just be their best overall player. But it's Fred Warner and it's and it's George Kittle. And you just watch those two guys. I mean, Fred Warner's flying around like he's Ray Lewis trying to like make the Hall of Fame. It's like, why is he playing that way? Because that's just the criteria and the culture in which they've set. And George yesterday, and here's why I give Kyle credit. They were smart with it. Like, they would run him a play, and then they'd yank him off. They weren't just like, you ain't playing 50 snaps. Right, we're not treating you But like they were clearly George. running some plays, and then George would... It's like, oh, shit, George. Be careful here. And he's fucking flying through DBs. Well, he's, he was playing as if he hasn't played in a long time, like, and he had a lot of pent-up. Like, I'll, I'll give you game. a guy. Like, Arizona... Like, here's who I know 100% is not Arizona's problem. Buda Baker. Like, yeah. I bet if you ask Kyle Shanahan and Robert Saul, like... Who's your favorite player on the Cardinals? They they both be a Buda Baker. Yeah, like to me, he just feels like the Niners would sell their left nut to get that guy on. Right. Their, like that's the type of guy they like. Yeah. You can watch a game and you go, yeah, that's who the Niners like. It's like you can watch a game and be like, God damn, Jamison Crowder. I bet Andy Reid would like that guy. Like you that, just you can just start matching guys up with certain coaches, right? That's White the receivers. Thing in, I think Bill. No, you're right. That's the thing. Of the, wait, Bill, wide receiver. Well, slot receiver, Belichick. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, that little slot wide receiver? Oh, yeah, it's Jarvis Landry. Yeah, I don't know if Bill would like him. That, that's the thing in the NFC that does make it challenging is you've got three pretty established cultures between the Rams. Like, no matter what the Rams' ceiling is, I know what their floor is. Like, their floor is going to be pretty high. Seattle's yeah. floor is always going to be high. The Niners' floor is just going to be high. Because they're cold. Well, I think like, it proves you, like, cultures. your worries are really the Rams in Seattle. Because, like, Arizona, like, their coach is the worst of the three by a mile. And their quarterback, while he is really talented... He kind of feels a little banged up, you know, by the end of the year. He doesn't quite feel as fast, and he's still fast, but quite as fast as he was earlier this year. Like, he just feels, if he was a if he was a video game player, if, like, the first half of the year he was, like, 95-plus, just in terms of speed and just total power and everything, he'd be, like, 80 right now. Yeah, he feels like when you don't have any turbo left. Yeah, he's just out. And he's still good enough to, like, run by guys. Honestly, I, the, I thought the Niners got a little lucky yesterday that they didn't just constantly call runs for him. <laughs> yeah. just, well, but could you? I mean, that's the other thing, right? You can't survive like that. But in a must-win game, like I thought they they just kind of... Like Cliff just... You know what? Cliff doesn't know how to win must-win games. He doesn't win must-win games. All right. Uh, the Niners draft position. What have they really... What have they done to themselves? Uh, as of the recording of this, and things could change around by the, by the end of this... Sunday, and then you got next week, week 17. But right now, John, they're 6-9. and nine. They're drafting 14th. Um, going into the game, if they had lost, right, they'd be 5-10. and 10, So they'd probably be in the 10-11. Well, they'd technically be 9 before all these other games are done, but probably with some tiebreakers, maybe they'd be 10-11. Um, so what have they really... They've made it less painful to trade the first-round pick for Matt Stafford. I guess that's one way to look at it. Yeah, it, it, it is a lot easier to trade a pick that's 13, as the Colts did last year, than it is to trade pick seven. That There's no disputing that. You know, it's there are a lot of teams jumbled right, right between that five and six win kind of slot. Even seven. I guess Niners technically could, could still win next week. But, like, to me, that is going to be a conversation that's going to happen. Until Matt Stafford or even the GM or new head coach come out and say, we're not under our dead bodies, are we trading this guy? Like, that is going to be a conversation. And I fully expect, again, educated guests, like, demand a trade. In a non-Kyrie, like, it's me or I'm out, but just like, it's over. 
Matt Stafford's people have told the Lions like they really want to, you know, in, in, in a in a respectful way. You see what I'm saying about this 4K video? You see that like kind of yeah, look? Yeah, yeah. Again, I, I just I'm just relaying what I was told about it. That it's, no, I, I know. Again, because I don't have 4K t- or 10K TV or 8K. And it still looks incredible. Like yeah, it looks really cool. Uh, I, I I just think what I said earlier. It's it, the Jets are a great example, and, and really the Jets could be could have four wins, right? They easily could have won the Raider game, and they had a Monday night game against the Patriots where they were winning late in the game. Like they they could. The Patriot, or I mean, the Jets could be drafting seventh right now. The, the, the NFL and the Niners, like you're just trying to win. Like whenever a team loses, the Raiders lost in gut wrenching fashion. Under their dead body, did they want to lose that game? No team, I'd argue in like NFL history, beside Week 17 or that one Polian Colts team that could have gone 16 and 0, and they had it sewn up by Week 15, and they rested everyone, and the players were all mad. It just doesn't happen. And I don't even think, because Kyle Shanahan, who's ultimately the decision maker, in a weird way is not thinking about the draft till the season ends. Because I, I don't think as a coach, you can if you're going to be there long term, you, you can think about that. And I think it showed really the last two weeks. Like they lost to Washington. Again, they did not try to lose that game. Like Mullins just sucked. Like they, they, they Kyle has, Kyle probably hasn't watched. There's a chance, honestly, guy. That just on Saturdays when they actually lived in the Bay Area and he was able to go home, he might have just hung out with like his daughters and he's not really watching as much college football. Like he might not watch zero college football during the season, besides maybe occasionally on the back of his office, like on a Friday night game or something or Thursday night game. But if you ask him, like, could you give a scouting report on Zach Wilson? Beside maybe what John Lynch or Adam Peters have told him about the guy, he probably hasn't watched any tape or maybe seen just some casual plays on like line to see yeah. some highlights. Like, I don't even think you think about it like that because you're just in the football mode as a coach. Also, and that's he, why you have GMs. He's got to figure like the way the draft turned out for them in 2020 was very different than what we would have said. Like if we go back a year, right, or just go back to the end of the regular season of the 2019 season, be like, all right, you guys are dra- here's your pick in the late 20s. Good luck. What actually happened? You know, they had a pick in the late 20s, or I guess they would have had the, no the 31, pick, right? <laughs> yeah. So. From the 31st pick to what actually happened, where they picked at 14 and 25, you couldn't have planned for that on December 27th of 2019. Honestly, you you could make the argument, again, this wouldn't be fun to do most of the time, and we're not going to change. But unless you're talking about Trevor Lawrence, it's all kind of a crapshoot, right? Just in terms of how much it changes, what trades are going to happen, who knows. Guy, Sam Darnold was done. Now it feels like... God, are they going to pick up his fifth-year option? He doesn't look bad. I mean, they might have something. It just things change. I would say just in sports in general, but with drafts, you see it with NBA. Like this guy loves playing here. The next day, he like wants to trade. You just—I I don't think you can think like that. Again, I'm not going to stop talking like that. But the reality is—is is none of these teams, including the fucking Jets, are really thinking about the draft. The media does. Front, the front office does. I mean, I, my friends in the NFL that I text with—they do. But the coaches don't, and the players don't. And at the end of the day, I'll always say this, like, and I remember Howie saying this, we only get three times to change our roster. We get the free agency, you get the draft, and you get the big cutdowns. And you could argue, like, waiver claims, like, during the season, kind of, but waiver claim is really, you're not claiming starters on the waiver claim, right, in the middle of the season. 
So like the, the front office, once the season starts, maybe the trade deadline, and we've seen the Ramseys. It, like th- those really have happened more the last couple of years, but historically guys like that don't consistently get traded during the season. Or even Mac and Jamal like right before the season. To me, that's a little bit of a new trend. The, the front office has no pull during the season, really. For, relative to like baseball and basketball, right? They don't call the plays. They don't most, I would say the majority of general managers, honestly, it could be close to like 32, don't control the game day roster. They, they have no juice. During no, the there's week, not really, really. much, right. I mean, the trade deadline doesn't usually, I mean, there's a couple things that happen at the trade deadline. Maybe you get like a the, random the linebacker did the, starter the pick for, or something. Um, uh, the trade for, remember it was like a seventh round swap and trade for Jordan Willis from the Jets. Yeah, and they traded, uh, what's his name? Quan uh, Alexander. Yeah, to the Saints, who I think in that game yesterday or Friday tore his Achilles. Not ideal. So, all right, but but the question is just like, what can you do, right? What what can you do at fourteen that you can't do? Can you do the same things at fourteen that you can do at eleven? Uh, you don't have a third rounder this year, at least at this point, that could change. You have a second. The worse you are, the better the second gets. You know, I, I think there's only two players at the quarterback position that are a lock to go in the top five. And that's Lawrence at one and probably Zach Wilson. I think everyone else is up for debate, right? So there's no, you might be able to sit there and get a quarterback if you wanted one. You might not, depending on what happens. The other thing with the NFL is free agency comes first. And the Jimmy, like we might have more like clarity before the draft even happens, right? Right. You you tend to have a pretty good idea of like, they're going to draft a quarterback really high or not. And I guess if they traded their first round for Stafford, they're probably not going to use like their second round pick on a quarterback, right? You right. wouldn't think? You wouldn't th- no, you wouldn't. Yeah. You wouldn't. But I do think you could look and see things like, you know, one of the big storylines now is going to be, are the Jets drafting a non-quarterback at two? Are they drafting a quarterback? Are they trading back to somebody who wants a quarterback? Atlanta. Well, see, I think the Jets are a good example of, the GM has a really good idea, what he's probably thinking, right, with every game that goes by. But he's going to – the word we always hear is alignment. Like, it, what if the coach goes, I really like Sam Darnold? Or what if the coach is Adam v- vice versa? I don't really like Sam Darnold. Greg Williams? Yeah. <laughs> Who's their Whoever they right hire. Adam Gase. Um, you know the Jags, yeah, you know the we're, Jags we're by talking the way. About all these te- but I, we're talking about all these teams that don't have a fucking coach or a general manager, most of them, Right. Yeah, I'm just saying there's going to be, uh, like... There's That's where I think Kyle would be like, why are we, everyone's making all these conclusions? Half these teams in the league that are above us don't even fucking know yeah, what they're, they're, I'm just saying that, they're doing tomorrow. To me, it's just about trying to figure out what all the possible paths for all these teams are. And you just have multiple teams that could not draft a quarterback in the top four at this point, right? Well, I guess this is my overall point, though. This is where, back to Kyle, where, like, why he probably doesn't give a shit, because I think he could go, like... These t- no yeah, one knows yeah. well, what they're doing. No, uh, he doesn't give a shit. But that's what I'm saying. It's like that. That's different than us just looking at what all the possible scenarios are. Yeah. And the fact is that the Jets could or could not. The Dolphins, you would say, would not. But well, knows? guy, if they if they would have finished five and eleven, they would have been drafting probably between six and eight. And drafting at six, there would have been talk consistently. Unless they traded pick six for Matt Stafford, which seems a little crazy uh, about a quarterback there. 
And that, to me, dramatically changes at 14. I just think, now we got options. Doesn't mean they won't trade up because you don't have to go that far. But I, it just changes the conversation. Because you just, being 5-11 and 11 is a lot different than, even this year, just 6-10. and 10. So like it's, It could be the difference of four or five spots. I think right? one fun thing we could do just as the months go along and the draft position changes and the draft evals change and free agency happens is like, Where's the fourth quarter? How high would you have to be for the fourth quarterback? Whoever that is in this draft at this point. Like, what do we think December 27th? You know, what do we think January 27th? Right now, whoever that guy is, if it's Trey Lance, uh, which it kind of feels like he'd be the fourth guy, but whatever. If it's Justin Field, where is the fourth quarterback getting drafted in this year's yeah, draft? Yeah, I think, I think there are four guys that have a very good chance to go in the top 15. That's the, the top one is Trevor Lawrence. So we know one is gone. Guys. So now Zach there's three Wilson, left. Zach Wilson, Justin, Fe- Justin Fields, and Trey Lance I have a t- very good chance to me go in the top 15. I think all will. I think the second guy is going to be gone by the third pick. Either the Jets or the Falcons take him, or they trade with someone who will. Because Miami's sitting there at four, and you know Miami can trade that pick if they want to, to somebody who – and Miami has shown they will move back and acquire talent, right? Yes, the Bengals are not taking one. The Eagles are not but taking the, but one. But the Panthers are at five. They would. They would probably take one, yeah. So you could have three guys gone in the top five, but a minimum two of them are going to be gone in the top five, right? Yes. I think two of them are gone before the third pick. And then you got the eighth pick, which is Detroit, which is do they if they trade Stafford, then they, they don't have to use that pick, I guess, but Yeah. Right? The Giants at nine, if they, Dallas. If they at were 10. to keep if they were to keep Stafford, they might not use that pick on a quarterback. So you're right. It's possible that Denver at fourteen Denver at twelve, Minnesota, again, these these teams are gonna change. It's possible the fourth guy is going around 14. Yeah. But typically you trade up to get the guys. Uh, yeah, that it, I would probably – at this point, my guess is going to be the fourth guy will be taken by the 12th pick. That would be my guess. And remember, the Cardinals, to get Rosen, it sounds weird now, but at the time, like to get up to get a quarterback who was the fourth quarterback taken in the draft, 15 to 10 cost them a third-round pick. So when you go from like 14 to like 8, 9, it's not like you're not giving away other ones, right? right, right. You might be able to give like a a next year's three or something. You know, you never know. And part of that is like there just might be, there might only be three teams that really would have been willing to move up for Rosen, right? Who knows how many well, teams just, are willing I, to move up for We just find a lot of information, especially in 2020. One of these quarterbacks played one game this season and has been a one-year starter. So it's like... The NFL did not allow scouts to go into schools this year. So the information is a little weird. Like, the information is, I'm talking to a defense. And one thing, talking to a lot of executives, is like, you know, they feel weird about, like, I don't want to shoot the coach an email, like a coordinator on a game week. These, It's already weird for these guys. You know, take their time. It's hard. You know, you're trying to – you're just kind of leaving them alone. Their, their information – where during the season – you can just walk by, like, I don't even know a good example, like, you know, Tony Elliott, the offensive coordinator for the the Clemson, and be like, hey, bro, are you going to be in your office in a couple hours? He's like, yeah, stop by in, like, 15 minutes. just And I can get 10 minutes with him. I Or BYU to talk with the OC at, about Zach Wills. I can't do that now. Unless I know him personally, and even then, like, everything they're going through, it's much harder. It's yeah. been very difficult. To, like, the information right now is just very not great. <laughs> And it's probably even if you're going to have meetings, once it gets better, once you start talking to these guys, I would imagine Zoom, we have a lot of experience with it. It's not the same as 
sitting in a room with somebody who knows nothing's being recorded, nothing's being watched by anybody else. Especially if you don't know them personally. Yeah. Like if I don't know a coordinator and I'm a second year scout, I can have I we can have a pretty good conversation. Like hey, I'm you can John, stand out on the practice field, catch him a couple times. Yeah, you're wearing just, the hat. Hey, man, he I recognizes like you, who you work for. And he's like, oh, uh, uh, Billy, Billy Bob, your GA, you know, your quality control guy with Philly. We worked, and then you develop a rapport because all these coaches know other coaches, and then boom, you have a good conversation. But you're right. Like, would you feel comfortable if you were a quarterback coach or offensive coordinator, even if it was an NFL scout, just talking? What if they're going to show their GM? And I would be very leery of yeah. this shit unless I was best friends with a guy. Hey, so and so is a shithead, and somehow it's like, Fucking rap sheet tweets it out. You're like, oh my god. The Colts put in one of their their packages with all their scout <laughs> videos. It ain't worth it, man. It's true, right? Like I would imagine you just have a bunch of conversations on the sideline about like, hey, you know, it's a Friday practice. You're staying for the game Saturday. Where should I go for dinner tonight? Just random stuff like that. You just chat. One hundred percent. John, let's tell the people about mybookie.ag promo code ham one. This is a week. Bowl week is a great bowl game's really getting into into the swing of things this week. Games, you're not quite sure. I'll tell you one I've already got circled, circled, circled just to watch this week. Oklahoma, Florida. You think anybody's gambling on Oklahoma, Florida this week? It's a three-point line right now. Uh, MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM, and the number one, they'll match that deposit dollar for uh, 50%, dollar for dollar, 50% of your first deposit. Remember, if you uh, take the bonus, you do have to bet the bonus before you can withdraw your winnings. You can also decline the bonus, but either way, HAM1 gets us credit, so we appreciate you doing that. Who do you like in the Oklahoma-Florida game? Uh, I like Florida, Oklahoma. Uh, who's I would probably lean Oklahoma. Oklahoma's plus three. I would probably take them in the points. I think Florida's had a couple opt-outs. Uh, that one would make me a little nervous. I think That's Oklahoma's the weird thing a lot younger. They, they have younger players. Uh, the, the bowl week's really good. My, MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM1. We got a Monday Night Football game. We the last Monday Night Football game of the year. Uh and just a lot of college football. I mean, we got a lot of college football games, thank God, that we're going to have to watch, you know, some of the day games. It kind of sucks for the kids in the bowl games, right? Because I, I just think they go like the Depends day before which the bowl. game. They don't go spend the week. Did you see what, or- oh, so- you see what Oregon got for the Fiesta? No. PS5s? Well, yeah, I, you still get the gifts, <laughs> but I, you don't get to go and hang out and go to, like, Disney World and stuff. Right. Right. But yeah, what do you, you do with the Fiesta like- Bowl anyway? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the bowl games are fun for the players. I mean, part of the opt out is like I don't get to go to the events like this. I just don't want to play the game. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you get the the PS Five. That might be worth staying for. Like, is Kyle Pitts playing in the game? Like to me, like I, I don't think he is. And if he's not, then that one, I like Oklahoma. Kind of is Oklahoma the underdog in that game? Oklahoma is the underdog in that game. Yeah, I, I kind of like. Uh, Oklahoma a lot. Also, if you're watching this before Monday Night Football, uh, yeah, the Pitts is out. Dolphins are a seven point. Sorry, not the Dolphins. The uh, the Patriots are a seven point underdog in that game. Patriots Bills. I don't like the Patriots at all. Cam can't throw. So you want to go Bills plus seven? Minus, Minus seven? seven. Yeah, I like the Bills. My bookie, Daddy. Bill, oh, long oh. week. That one. I don't know. That one makes me a little nervous. And NBA. Gamble on that. I think the Clippers. Uh, I don't think the the, the Clippers covered on uh, Sunday, John. What's the score of that game as of recording? Uh, right now, NBA score. I pay for the fast internet, yet my internet is not. Uh, the final score is one twenty four to seventy three. So eighty three, ninety three, one hundred three, one thirteen, 
123. They lost by 51 points. And at one point, what was the score? 77 to 27. See, so that I team mean, should they, not end up with 70 plus points, but I guess you're right. It did hold. The 50 point differential did hold. They had, they had a big third quarter, 30. So they're, here are their four quarters 13, 14, 30, and 16. <laughs> so, wow. What an effort. Wow. JJ Watt's not happy about that Clippers performance. <laughs> no. There was a little uh, Zach Wilson uh, hubbub this week because WalterFootball.com published an anonymous scout quote that said, among other things, Zach Wilson, a, a college scouting director from an NFC team, said that Zach Wilson is, quote, Johnny Manziel comp without the drugs. He's fun to watch, but is he a one-year flash in the pan? He's a backyard baller who's fun to watch. Then Schefter, did you see this part of this? Schefter was on KMBR with Adam Copeland and Marcus Thompson the third, John. And I, I, did, I did not. And they asked him about it, and Schefter said, wow. I mean, first of all, everything you just said there floored me. It floored me because, number one, I think he's going to be the second quarterback pick, not the third, which we've been saying. I think he'll go second. I've heard nothing but great things about the guy. And that he got, quote, unquote, special intangibles. I just hung up the phone, literally, before I came on the show with somebody who was telling me all about him. And I couldn't have been further from what you just said. Uh, I heard he's an incredible kid. But, again, we'll have to vet it out, check him out. I'll make more calls. But I know uh, people that know him pretty well speak pretty highly about him. Okay, let me start by saying this. Johnny Manziel was a legit red flag with drug use, alcohol addiction. Uh, remember Skip Bayless once said the guy's an alcoholic, and social media was like, I don't remember that. I can't, I can't believe Skip put him in prison. Skip Bayless should not be saying, and then he was proven right. I remember, met Skip once. He's very nice. Yeah, I, I've met him multiple times. He seems pretty cool. Don't I'm not into a shtick or whatever, but whatever. He was right about that. Here's the thing with Zach Wilson. I have heard he is not perfect off the field. But Johnny Manziel was like a major red flag. This guy, there are some questions about his leadership. There are questions. He comes from super wealth. And I think there is a stigma around him that he kind of was this cocky guy that didn't get along with everyone in his first couple years. And they were just, he's not like, yeah, he's the highest, he's not Trevor Lawrence or Andrew Luck or Marcus Mariota. That's not how they're talking about him. Or even Jared Goff, like everyone unanimously loved him. That is not what's in the scouting community. So it's like when I see some of these people, and listen, Adam, I'm sure, knows his agent or whatever. He's, and Adam's not wrong. He's going to go number two overall because his character. But there are, when I say character flags, like there are different character type flags. There are, you've been arrested, you've been suspended, you've been in trouble. Like, is this guy going to cause harm to my organization? And then there are the character ones like, is this guy going to be a little rough around the edges as a teammate? Is When I say, like, is this guy get along with everyone? And at the quarterback position, when you're drafting a guy really high, you're held to stupid high standards. So I, I there are questions about this guy in the program his first couple years. Now, sometimes when you're 18, 19 years old, you just, you mature. Like, fuck, I've matured in my 30s. Like, I don't think it's even that crazy, but I've seen a lot of people, like, not just with Schefter saying this, but, like, this is crazy. no. It's pretty consistent. This guy got his information from a scout because I've heard similar, not the Johnny Manziel comment, but like people get uncomfortable when the information the teams have gets out. It's a, it's a tried and true formula uh, that happens every year. People get very so mad just, at Bob McGinn when he says, somebody told me this guy's a fat slob. I'm like, hey, that's, that's what the scouting report says. 
He doesn't even yeah. use that language. But no, you're right. It's it's and and specifically the initial report with some of the stuff you said was and and by the way, his positives are pretty positive, right? This is what the initial report said. Um, uh, he has character concerns. Rich kid who's an entitled brat. Uncle owns JetBlue. Parents are a pain. Not a leader. Selfish. He's a know-it-all. His positives are that he's super competitive, not scared, won't back down, extremely confident, very smart, keen. Recall. Keen. Had to be an older scout that said use the word keen. Recall. And teammates will play for him. So within those quotes, we've got, is he a leader? Teammates will, pay, will play for him. We, we can't know that he's selfish and is a bad teammate. We can't know that he's absolutely the greatest leader, but the truth probably, might, maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle there. But it, basically what it sounds like is somebody somebody told somebody, no, his teammates play for him, right? But, Guy, here's a reality. like that, that, that to me sounds like he talked to someone in the program, the scout, and that's the information he's getting. Like The scout is just the messenger, right? He's not, the scout's not... He's just relaying information. When you're a scout, you type it into your deal, and then the GM reads it, and then the information comes out. Of what someone he doesn't get to make that shit up, right? Not with a player of his caliber, unless he has an individual meeting, and then he would just write in the report, in my dealing with him, he was great or he was a dick. But the information he puts in is is like a description, right? Not selfish, blah, blah, blah. But that is being repeated from the pro liaison or the coach who most scouts, you go in year after year, you learn like this guy gives me the information that's true. And that's just based on their experience. And then it's on you as a detective. You start talking to maybe, you talk to some of his other players. You talk to maybe a wide receiver coach. Like what does your group think of the guy? You go talk to the academic advisor and then you try to put all the pieces of the puzzle. But that information on Zach Wilson is... Again, like it might be your comparing is, him to Johnny is stupid because yeah. Johnny was a drug user and a fucking drunk. That is not the case here. But like, this guy might have rubbed some people the wrong way. Which from like, if this guy was a wide receiver, no one would give a flying fuck. But because he's a quarterback and because he's, I feel like a lock to go number two overall in the draft. I don't even think this conversation has begun to keep, pick up steam, guy. Because what are other teams going to do? Because we just talked about the Niners. Like, they're going to be three or four teams. They're going to probably try to trade up the two. They're going to want to try to badmouth this guy so the other team doesn't get him or want him, right? It's going to get – my prediction, there are going to be some pretty ugly stories about this guy coming out. And when I say ugly, like whatever the max is of this guy's ability, like him tr- you know, not getting along with people, ugly for quarterback standards, which – are just held to a different standard. Like, again, no one cares about the corner, right? No one cares. Jamar Chase, selfish. Yeah, I don't give a shit. He's going to go top five. But also, it, part of it is what are your other qualities, right? What are your positive qualities? And do they outweigh your but negative being a rich, qualities? But I'd say this, being a rich kid, like Peyton Manning grew up a rich kid, right? Yeah, I mean, you, it, it, there's to a, me, that's... Because it's a, but it says rich kid who is an entitled brat, right, is part of that quote. Yeah. A lot of quarterbacks are rich kids. You quarterback, uh, a quarterback, your quarterback coach since you were seven costs a lot of money. But but if you're good enough, like I think Aaron Rodgers has an entitlement to him. Yeah, but it exactly. It's what are your, what are we offsetting what we, what some people think your negative qualities are? What are the positive qualities that offset them? And if the positive qualities are now super competitive, not afraid to work, not scared, teammates will play for him and really talented, you go, okay, I, I think the, my overall take on this, though, is I saw just on Twitter people like, this is so me. This is wrong to do to the kid. Like, 
No, it's, it's out there. And what the media thinks is irrelevant. Like, the teams know this. The teams all have this information. And I've talked to multiple teams that have some version of something of this. Like, it's, it's real. Like, there is tangible stuff there that is, I think it's fair to say, just a red flag for a quarterback. Yeah. Then you got to just scout your way through it. Like, how real is it? Here's the other thing. Maybe, you know, the head coach, the coordinator, be like, you know what? We saw a huge change in this guy. He was completely different. He really matured. And maybe he never looks back, right? There's Like, part of it is, if you talk to a coach or scout in September, like, let's say you went in there and you got all your information September 10th. It's all based on his experience his first two years in the program, right? This year went really good. The guy's really galvanet. He, you know, gravitated toward him. I'm just guessing. I don't know, but... You're saying it's people every time I watch them, it feels like they're all having fucking yeah. fun on the sideline and guys like them. Yep. If you're a wide receiver, why don't you, you like playing with good quarterback? Clearly, he's not right? a divisive force because they're winning a bunch of football games. So it's. And I would say and even he doesn't the, get any trouble. Yeah, the Johnny line is it's kind of hard to separate Johnny's erratic behavior from his substance issues, right? But I don't know. It's hard. Their to know. play though, like when you watch Zach Wilson play. Did he? Play, yeah, he played last week. I remember taking some video. It might have been Friday night. They were playing in a bowl game. Yeah. He does, like, he's a more pro version because his arm's a lot stronger, but he's he's got a backyard football to him. Like, I, I think when he throws out Johnny Manziel, like, there's not, like, you watch Mac Jones or Kyle Trask, like, you don't see backyard football. You could even say, like, yeah, you know, Trevor Lawrence can kind of ad-lib. Like, I'd say this kid is kind of an ad-libber. Like, this guy creates a lot of plays out of his ass, a little like Johnny Manziel, but it does look like more Aaron Rodgers-ish because the arm is throwing darts. Yeah, it's just the, right? the hard thing to evaluate, right, is you want that skill. You just don't know, does that skill at the college level always translate to being able to pull that stuff off in the NFL, right? Exactly. Like, so far, watching Tua in the NFL doesn't look like watching Tua in college. Well, because you go back... Watching Kyler in the NFL talk, does. Yeah, when we talk about Mac Jones, you go, is Alabama kind of become an all-star team for quarterbacks? And you go, oh, yeah. yeah, it kind of has, <laughs> right? It's like, uh, yeah, they got multiple first-rounders on the line. How about their wide receivers? Uh, they got four top 15 picks. How about their running back? Oh, Najee's become a probably going to go in like the top 40. How about their tight ends? I don't know. They produce NFL tight ends every year. Right. How about their like, coaching? Well, How about well, their coaching culture? Yeah. I mean, their offensive coordinators always become head coaches. To me, the Alabama offense, I got red flagged a little bit. Not for the skill guys, but the quarterback. I right. just go... God, I mean, what would Justin Herbert been a lock to go number one overall if he had played there? Because it kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. But, I mean, Tua played there and he didn't go one. Burrow, it just Burrow made it so weird, right? But he wasn't physically, like, what if Tua had been, look like Trevor Lawrence? 6'4", could run. He just might have been ticketed ahead of Burrow the whole time. Could be. Yeah. Saturday football, John. Saturday night was pretty wild in the Raiders-Dolphins game. I mean, like... Very crazy. At four different points, I thought who I thought I knew who was going to win, and it turned out uh, that the game changed. But it also was the nail in the coffin of the 2020 Raiders. All the scenarios, the Ravens have to lose out, and the Steelers this and that. It doesn't matter. They're not going to win enough football yeah, I mean, games to make the playoffs. By the end of the game, it looked more likely they were going to be a 7-9 and nine team than they ever had any business being a playoff team. In the game in a vacuum... It had like a bowl game on like a random Wednesday, the most insane football finish you'll ever like it it didn't even feel like this is an NFL. Like it was crazy. It was batshit nuts. It had to be a top five nutty ending of the year. 
just in terms of the action that was happening. The, the way the game ended, as they were coming to the field with 19 seconds left, and Kurt Warner goes, Joe, I know what we're not going to see, cover zero. And it wasn't even just about cover zero. His point was like, no chance they're going to hit a deep bomb, basically, right? That's what he was saying. The next play hits a fucking deep bomb down the sideline as he gets face mask, and then they go to Fitzpatrick, and he's grabbing his face mask going like this. And you're like adding up the yards. You're like, well, that was just like 35, 40 yards plus another 15. Are they already in field goal range? And they were. And it was just that play, honestly, that play, could you say it symbolized Gruden's Raider tenure? Like, they've actually been pretty decent. They had a, they played pretty well in that yeah, game. You're talking They're about like blown coverage and lack of discipline. Even though it's sometimes the quarterback face mask thing is hard to avoid. But is that what you mean? Yeah, it just, it just felt symbolic of John Gruden. And they go to him, and he just puts his head down like you would see a college coach in March Madness when a tie game and a dude hits like a prayer to knock you out in the second round, and the coach just hits his knees in devastation. Gruden had that look of like – Except they didn't make it to March. in a million years, they had to be saying on the sideline, no deep balls, no deep balls, no deep balls. Their first-round pick, which was part – part guy of the Khalil Mack trade, David Arnett, in cover two, where, as Steve Smith said eloquently after the game, there is no running back. So he kind of, he looked at the flat and stopped like, bro, no one's running a wheel route in the flat. Just carry your vertical. Because you look at the other side of the field, Mullins just runs with his guy. Just, just carry him up the side. So he can't, and he stopped. And there was a honey hole. But the honey hole, it was so open, right, because he had to, even Fitzpatrick said he had to lob it up because he was getting thrown. I, I, I just, it's insane, guy. I, I can't, I was, I was shell-shocked, honestly. Pat, but I mean, Patrick Gruden's Mahomes called tenure it. tenure has been pretty terrible. Patrick Mahomes called it the greatest no-look pass he's ever seen. They, you could argue they might, it's hard to say for sure, I don't know if you would agree with this, the face mask might have bailed him out because that just might have been a touchdown throw if Fitzpatrick can just make the full throw down the sideline. Fitzpatrick said after the game, he's like, because he he's like, I haven't seen the play yet. I don't know where the safety, if he would have got over there in time. But luckily, the wide receiver did a really good job. Like, my ball couldn't fly that far of keeping his feet in bounds. You're right. That's probably a touchdown, actually. Right? Yeah, I mean, it might the face mask might have bailed him out, was what I thought watching, like, the replay the fifth time. But here's what we know. A, touch, a, what a, a touchdown would have been... It was bad. A touchdown would have been infinitely worse. It would have felt right? worse. Yeah. Yeah. Touchdown would have felt worse. <laughs> but it would have that would have been that would have been even crazier. But because right. they would have scored a touchdown. Yeah, but because they kicked the field goal to lose, now you can start talking about should they have knelt on third down? Should they have run the ball in and try and score a touchdown, go for two, whatever, make it a seven point game. Here's what we know. They're going into the last week of the season and the playoffs are out. John Gruden's three years, he is eighteen and twenty nine right now. If they, he's got to beat the Broncos to be 19 and 29. If he loses to the Broncos, he's 18 and 30. Tom Cable, two years he was the full time head coach. One of those years, the third year, his first year really, he took over for Lane, coached 12 games. His three years where Tom Cable was the head coach, they went 18 and 30. 2008 takes over after Lane coaches four games, Cable coaches 12. Then he, co- then he coaches in 2009. Then he goes 8-8 eight and eight in 2010. 
So Tom Cable went eight and eight in year three, John. The Raiders. I'll need- be honest. We were living together at that time, and I wasn't super locked in on Raider football. Felt worse. If you would have asked me with like a thousand dollars on the line, how many years did Tom Cable coach the Raiders? I might have said one. It, it felt months. like because I, I did not know he coached basically almost three years. I didn't. Not off the top of my head. Yeah, that's then, pretty nuts. And then and then Hugh gets the one year, and Hugh goes eight and eight. So the Raiders had Hugh Jackson and Tom Cable both went eight and eight. The best year they've had they don't since win this then. year. Gruden doesn't go five hundred in, in any three year. Right. That's right. He wouldn't have an eight win record. Del Rio won twelve games. Um, Dennis Allen. He won eight games in back-to-back years total when you combine two four-win seasons. But he went eight and eight. Cable went eight and eight. Um, this is this is you can you can go eight and eight. I think a there's lot. some. Par- Here's the point. I think there are some parallels with Del Rio and, and Gruden. Like their teams kind of similar, right? Different players, but flaws. But you know you can win ten games. Yeah, with I mean, squad team. Del Rio went over five hundred as in his three years, right? Gruden is not going to do Gruden's not even close to that. At best, he'll be 10 games under 500. If they win this week, he'll be 19 and 29. Doesn't feel like Del Rio's team was much better, but he did have the 12 win season, right? But Del Rio's operate. Does it feel like Del Rio's operation was much better than this? No guy. My point is with a similar team in one of those three years, like Gruden's teams have been offensive heavy these last two years. Defense been crappy. But if you gave a really good coach this roster, they would find a way to get to 10 and 11 wins, right? Just with a, t- a more button-down operation. Like, if I gave Brian Flores this team, like, watching the Dolphins, when they were losing up until Fitzpatrick came in, my first thought was, it's incredible that the Dolphins, who at the time, I guess they were 9-5 and five going into that game, and they ended up winning, and they, they now have 10 wins. So we can speak about them after the fact. It's pretty incredible, I think, that they have a 10-win team with that talent. Because I would say the talent, if I just went roster for roster, you would take the Raiders. They have a better quarterback. They have infinitely better players on offense, right? I mean, Darren Waller's one of the best players in the league. Josh Jacobs is a stud. Aguilar, who's a first-round pick, like, that guy was a starter on a Super Bowl team. He's a good player. If Ruggs was just available, like, if you could put Ruggs back into the draft, and we'll get to him here in a minute... He would still go really high. Like they, I'm just watching their offense going, God, they got a lot of fucking talent on this field with Derek. And defensively, they're just it feels like they're poorly coached. The talent, it's not like I can you name that many guys? The Dolphins have some guys in their secondary, but you know, Minka's gone. They don't have a true pass rusher who's like a blue chipper. They they do not they just run a better operation. And there's just no way around it, guy. Gruden's been an utter disaster because there's a decent chance. I mean, they lose this week in back-to-back seven and nine seasons, and it's just seven and nine seasons after going six and four, and then six and three again with enough talent. Like it'd be one thing to me if you're six and three, and it's like you know they're kind of overachieving. Like no, it felt like God, this team could win eleven games. And here's the other thing: it turns out because they played on Saturday, we didn't know everything that was going to happen on Sunday. Even though I guess it was the Ravens were the main, but we kind of yeah, the Ravens are going to beat the Giants, and the Ravens beat the Giants. The Raiders. We're already out of the playoffs before this weekend started, right? Looking back. Like, yeah, the, the Ravens are going to win 11 games. Like, the Raiders are not in the, t- the com- playoff conversation. Like, they just don't belong with the teams that that are going. And, and it turns out, like, we've seen them now in back-to-back weeks against, I guess, the Chargers filled in a week and they lost that game too. But the Colts and the, the Dolphins, it was like, the Colts kick your ass and then the Dolphins just find a way to beat you. It's, it's pretty nuts. Like, these are the teams that are right there on the kind of the threshold or like, are they in or are they out? 
And they've both beat the Raiders in just must-win games at home. Last night was, I mean, we're recording this on Sunday, so by the time if you listen to this on Monday, like, that was just, that was a crippling loss. I mean, that was just, you're already on the ground. It's not like you were walking in the playoffs, but it was like you were going to take a little pride, I thought, like beating the Dolphins. Like, it would have been just, you know, we found a way to win this game. Our quarterback's kind of banged up. And then you lose in that fashion? I, I just... It makes you wonder, like, I think Gruden... I, the Raiders are kind of a laughing stock in the league on defense. Like, they are... They clearly... I, I've seen a bunch of stats with just in the last 20 years where they rank with consistency of touchdown drives. They're all near, like, setting records. Like, it's it's pretty nuts how awful they are. And when you have a coach with as much juice as Gruden, like, it doesn't just fall on the defensive coordinator, right? Gruden's running the show. Gruden's running the practice. What does Sala talk about all the time? Like, Kyle, in practice, runs the scout team quarterback, so he's with the defense. Like, Gruden is not... You don't get to just be like, well, he's just, he's just with Derek and, and Aguilar and talking with Waller. Like, no, you don't get to do that. It's not... And clearly, he didn't. He fired his defensive coordinator two weeks ago. So it's like... it's David Arnett was his first-round pick from Ohio State. Like, that guy was from Ohio State. It's not like, you know, you got a young guy. He's a little bit of... A, he was a first-round talent, but he's from a smaller school. No, this guy's fucking from Ohio State. And he just has no clue what to do out there. Would that guy have no clue what to do if he was playing for Ohio State? It, it always felt like him and Mullins, like when they're at their big schools, they're fine. Are they getting better coaching at Ohio State and Clemson? Because you don't say, yeah. <laughs> like it feels like the Raiders coaching is lowest level in the NFL on defense or ne- near the bottom. If you just went coaching, what you consistently see, the fuck ups. I mean, their fuck ups are glaring. You could argue. Because the I guess I guess it was an argument, even though I think it's stupid. Like, did Gruden do the right thing? You know, at the end of the game, not scoring. And I think 100%, and Gruden got mad about it after the game. He's like, I've been calling plays in the league forever. 19 seconds at your own 25. Like, you should lose that game 99.9% of the time. And I was texting with someone. I said, yeah, two teams lose that game. 30 teams in the NFL, 100% win that game. Two teams lose, the Jets and the Raiders. I'd say the Falcons also lose that game, and the Chargers might. I'd add two other teams. Falcons, I would definitely I, feel good about them losing that game. They just lose every 19 game seconds. in a weird, crazy fashion. Uh, but usually but they've right. lost. We, that's just, Falcons don't lose as much 19 seconds. It. They've lost before that. 11 receivers went in the top one uh, in the top 50 of the 2020 NFL draft. Henry Ruggs was drafted first. This is information you know. That means he was drafted ahead of Justin Jefferson and CeeDee Lamb and T. Higgins and Brandon Ayuk and Chase Claypool and LaVisca Chenault and Jerry Judy and Michael Pittman and K.J. Hamler and Jalen Rager. If I remember correctly, several NFL general managers went on record with their names behind it and called it a historically great wide receiver class, right? On record. Not like anonymous. And there were a ton of anonymous scouts, but there were a lot of guys on record yeah, it's one of the best wide receiver classes I've ever seen. Been in the business 30 years, right? And he was the first guy of the group. And then it's lived up to the hype. Like, no one even argues. Like, God, that was overhyped. It's like, God, all these guys are sweet. They all right? look really good. But I read them in that yeah. order for a reason. Because you know Justin Jefferson didn't go one. That's the order of from most to fewest catches. And after Jalen Rager comes Henry Ruggs. So of the 11 guys that went drafted in the top 50, and it feels like that's kind of the cut line right now, right? Like Van Jefferson, a few other guys came after the top 50. But the top 50 kind of feels like the group. 
You could even argue maybe it's really the top 13 or the top, sorry, like nine. But nonetheless, he went first. He has the fewest catches of that group. And I'm not, after watching every second of the Raiders this year, John, I'm not convinced that it's really his fault. I don't know. But I know that all these other guys, he made, he's, he has made a couple of plays. You and I early watched him and thought, we like this guy. I don't care about the box score. But now I'm watching him, and the box score will say like two catches, and, the, and watching says the same. They don't, you, I forget that he's on the field. I noticed it last night. I, uh, I made a decision. I had an opportunity to either put Henry Ruggs or Nelson Aguilar on my daily fantasy Saturday only game. And my game was, I, I had picked good players. Draft I mean, Kings. I was in the mix to make, turn $10 into 100. Mm. Wow. But the, I, I went, everyone's going to take Nelson Aguilar. It was a zig move. I'm like, I'm going to go with Henry Ruggs. Maybe this is a game he has three for 80 and a touchdown, right? Just has one of those. So I specifically watched offensive series every time, and he's on the field a lot. Like, he is, the, 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 uh, the packages guy are Jacobs, Ingold, Waller, Ruggs, Aguilar. Like, that is their consistent kind of what they go with a lot. Those guys on the field. And Derek doesn't look at them. And they're running plays. I mean, they ran plays in key moments for Jason Witten. They they do not run plays for Ag- or I mean for Ruggs. And when they do, they just take a sh- deep shot maybe once a game. And the other thing is, for whatever reason, Derek is not comfortable with him. Like, to me, he's very comfortable with Nelson Aguilar, and he kind of force-feeds him the ball, and it works. They do not throw the ball at Henry Ruggs. And when you look at all these other guys, they force-feed Jefferson the ball. They obviously force-feed Ayuk the ball. Uh, Higgins is just their best player. You know, Mims, immediately one of their best players. CeeDee Lamb, like, stands out on a team with Gallup and Amari, like, as a stud. Claypool. Like, these guys are just, yeah, Claypool, he just physically stands out, and then he makes plays. You watch right, they do not even target him, guy. They do not, it doesn't feel like he's a huge part of the offense, no. which is pretty nuts for a guy that was drafted that high. I think what you just said to me is the simplest way to put it, right? Is you watch these other guys, and it's clear that their team spent, one of the things they did that week was like, how do we get this guy the ball? I mean, it's obvious when you watch the 49ers, right? How, all the ways we're going to get Brandon Ayuk the ball. How are we going to do it? it? When you watch the Raiders, it doesn't, it feels like that uh, maybe he ain't he's not ready for it or they're not, but it doesn't feel well, like me, they to, make to, a lot to of me, effort. Guy, when, when I watch them play, if they could do it over, and I like Henry Ruggs, but when I think John Gruden, I do not think Henry Ruggs. To me, if they could do it over, how would they not take C.D. Lamb? Like when I think when I watch C.D. Lamb play, I go, God, Gruden and Derek would like this guy a lot more. Like I just don't think Henry Ruggs makes sense with them. He does not work. Like I just, I think it's just a bad fit. I don't. I'm not saying it won't work, but I'd say this year watching and same with Jefferson, like Jefferson and, but definitely CD because I think he was in that mix. And I remember people on the Raiders told me they like CD a lot. I just think he would. CD would just have more catches on their team, would he not? Yeah, he just his well, style you with would Derek. Think. Yeah, you would think. Uh, but although the thing with Rugs is like on paper it makes sense, right? You're like we got Waller. Uh, we're going to stretch the field with this guy. We're going to run the rock with Jacobs. Now you look back, you go, even with like Brian Edwards, like he's kind of that tough eight yard, 10 yard guy. They, they clearly, when he's healthy, they try to get him the ball. Wouldn't you agree with that? Edwards. Edwards. Yeah. Aguilar. Well, they, now- they, they gave rugs last night or yesterday, or I guess last night, Saturday on an end, on an end around. But to me, like the, 
I'll give let's use Kyle Shanahan for example. I think a lot of coaches use like the end around like we got it in. We've been we we practiced that motion. Kyle fucking force feeds it. Right? Like if he thinks he has a good player that runs that play well, like he will give it to Debo three or four times during the game. He does not go away from it because he goes, This play has worked. We scouted it out. It's gonna work. We like this player in this spot. Well, Ruggs, like, get him the ball. His greatest attribute is he's faster than every single player on the field. So the only way to truly know that speed is like like the other thing, like CeeDee Lamb, like he can block and do it. Like Ruggs is not like out there blocking. You know, that's not going to be his deal. Get him the ball. So if that means handing the ball off, if that means running some quick screens, it just feels like he just kind of, they force feed the ball to Jason Witten guy more consistently than they do Henry You did text Ruggs. me during the game. Nice. You're like, Gruden loves trying to get the ball to Witten. Well, it's not even debatable. I mean, they throw it to him in like big fourth down spots. It's crazy. Here's a take I mean, for you, John. If it's kind of laughable, if actually. The, but if the if the Raiders knew, that's the other thing is Rugs for uh, being like a speed guy who's not that big is pretty. We've seen him like in jump ball situations, like he's can go with the ball. If the Raiders knew Nelson Aguilar would be this good, would they even have taken a receiver at twelve? Uh... Yeah, I mean, maybe they go defense. I mean, they could have used if they knew Nelson Aguilar was going to be this good. They could have taken. I mean, don't forget they used the, they had a they used nineteen on a defensive player. They could have taken yeah, any of the other who was on the board. I I think if they could do it again, they would just take CD. They, yeah, I just think he makes more sense to just John Gruden's offense. Like John Gruden is not running. Like when I think Andy Reid, I go God. I bet Nelson. I bet Henry Ruggs would be sweet with him. When I think John Gruden, I just think more like watching Higgins and watching and Derek. Like, Derek is not super comfortable with super speed guy. Like, he has had his... When Amari was killing it, if you go back and look, they were running a lot of, like, slants and deep outs. And, like, it, his time with Devontae Adams, now with Waller, he, is, he takes a couple deep shots, but he feels more comfortable with a bigger guy. I think why he likes Nelson Aguilar is for as much fun as people have made fun of Nelson over the years for dropping the balls, is he's been very reliable. And I had someone that knows that said Derek told him earlier this year he was just so much more comfortable in his offense because he felt like the guys on the skill guys he could depend on. Now, he was specifically talking about, I think, Waller and obviously Josh Jacobs. But I think Aguilar thrust himself immediately into like a Mari Devontae Adams role for them. And then you see him like make that. Like Aguilar is really talented. He was a first-round pick. He is not some random bus guy. Might have been a little overpicked, but he's a good player and he's resurrected his career. He's having a Crabtree-like moment, right? He got a one-year, like $2 million deal. And it feels like, I'm watching the game going, how do they not bring him back? Right. Right? How, how do they not? How do they How do they risk letting him go with how comfortable he is in their offense and with their quarterback? But with Ruggs, like, I think you got to ask yourself this offseason. And I think the shitty part is, it's like it feels like you're like, trying to force feed in the ball. How does he not just have, like... With Kyle, for example, again, because I watched the most of the Raiders and the Niners very critically, there's an ebb and a flow to Kyle and his guys. It's not like they're force-feeding. They just run plays for their guys. Like, how do you not know the plays for rugs? Like, you don't have plays for them. Like, you don't... It's almost... You, like, take a deep shot, but you don't... You just do it because, yeah, he's fast. You know what it, it feels feel like? like it, that's what he wants to do. It feels like... Uh, it, it, it just feels like they look at it like, we don't have time for this right now. Like, we got to figure out what to do with them. And we're too busy trying to make the playoffs. We don't have time to figure this out right now. We're not even going to mess with them. That's what it feels is like. It, is watching. it fair to like? That's not even what it feels like. That that's what it is right well, now. Well, I, I, 
yeah, I mean, I hope. I guess if that's the case. <laughs> yeah. But when I, when I watch him, does he not? Can he not learn the? I mean, like I don't watch him and think he doesn't belong on the NFL field. That's the part that's weird. I think like just get that guy the ball, and he would make some plays. I think I think it's I'd be hard pressed to go. He can't handle the playbook when he just came from Alabama, where he's a three-year star. Yeah, I no, I know. I but, <laughs> you know. By the it'd way, it'd be one thing. It's like he just can't he can't figure it out in the big leagues. Like yeah, he can't, basically came from the NFL junior. By the way, on, on Nelson Aguilar, because you're right. When you watch him, you think like, you know, that that's a first-round pick. He was drafted twentieth. He wasn't. The receiver draft was pretty bad that year. Amari was the first receiver. Then it was Kevin White, Devontae Parker. So then Aguilar goes. Then it's Brashad Perryman, Philip Dorsett, Devin Smith. Remember Doriel Green Beckham? Tyler yeah. Lockett. Okay, that would have been a guy to take, but that's a third-round pick. Ty Montgomery basically became a running back. Um, Stephon Diggs goes, 55, uh, goes in the fifth round. Okay, uh, you know, Waller, as it turns out, went in the sixth round. But the point is like— Waller and Diggs went in the fifth and sixth? Yeah. The point is, it was a pretty bad draft from that position. It really, Nelson Aguilar, my guess, he's uh, receiving touchdowns of that group. I mean, he's got 26. Did, Amari's got more. You, Tyler Did you Lock- have the volume on when Kurt Warner was telling the practice squad story of how they got Darren Waller? Kurt Warner was telling the story? On the broadcast last night on Darren Waller. I did not have the volume on, on that point of the game, no. So... The Ravens, Darren Waller was on their practice squad. They used to let their practice squad guys on game day warm up to get them like an extra reps, to get them basically like a pseudo practice for 30 minutes catching balls. In warm-ups, he's on the field, and Greg Olson and Gruden are standing there three years ago, and like I think it might have been a preseason game. I had, but I didn't know he was on the practice squad. I thought he was just on the roster, and then he became a free agent. And they go, who the fuck is that guy? And then they claimed him. And Ozzy told Warner, like, a couple years later, we made a rule after that. Our practice squad guys do not go to the field because we don't want to see opponents to see him. (laughs) But that is, I I had known they saw him in warm-ups. I don't think I knew his status. I I assumed he was a 53-man guy, and then they either cut him or he became available, and that's how they got him. Not that he was a practice squad guy in a full sweat. And Greg Olson's like, holy shit. That part I knew, but I did guy. not know the Ravens changed their rule after that. That's incredible. Yeah. It's not the way you could – you can't make a habit out of finding players that way. But I, but I think Darren Waller's a good example who's become a star. I mean, he's a elite talent. He's – like, I think it's pretty clear when I think tight ends, I think Kelsey, who I has been doing it the longest, most consistent, doesn't miss games, I got to put him one. Kittle and Waller are just – they're on a different level when I watch them play. Yeah. Like I, I watch healthy Kittle and I watch healthy Waller, and if I'm Gruden or I'm Kyle, I just go, I got a guy that you got no fucking chance right. to cover. Don't you can got the best scheme, you can have the best cover guys. We're gonna kick your ass. We're going to 85 and we're going to 83. And the Chiefs do this with Kelsey, but he's everyone knows that. Uh, and Waller to me, Waller's a dominant player, man. He he's really good. I think you could argue that, but it should make it easier for Rugs when you have Waller. That's part of like what Andy would say. It's like easier for Tyreek because I got Kelsey and Sammy. It's like how do you not have any balance? Elite level tight ends are near or at the top of the list of just the most freakish humans that the earth produces. When you see them, right? Because they all have like they had the same shoe size as offensive linemen, but they run like running backs, and their arms it just. They are just... Sometimes they, they have abs like the DBs. Yeah, they're just another... <laughs> and Waller, you're right. 
Well, do you notice like if you ever turn on Fox pregame from like nine to ten, they have those guys on the Fox lot. Yeah, Coward shows actually there, and they have them standing outside. And Tony will be standing next to Howie Long. Howie Long is an now he's probably thinner now, but just size wise, they are the same frame guy. Tony Gonzalez next to Howie Long, they are both six four and a half, right? And if you just saw both of them and didn't know anything, and you'd be like, oh, yeah, those guys are massive human beings. One guy is known as, like, the all-time, he might get passed by Kelsey, but it's like the greatest catching tight end of all time. The other guy is one of the greatest pass rushers of all time, yet they're the same frame. Think about that. That's what's, and all these guys, Waller is bigger. Like The thing with Kittle is he's not that tall, right? Kittle is not 6'5". Like, Kelsey's huge. Waller clearly is really tall. The other guys, I was texting with a buddy in the league. I was like, God, this Arnold guy for Arizona is not bad. And he's like, yeah, Arnold and Tanyan with the Packers, former wide receivers that put on a little weight. And, and Arnold had a couple bad plays in the game, but he is, I've noticed him this year. And Tanyan, wide receivers, and like Waller, who became tight ends. So they're like wide receiver skills, but they actually are kind of have some tight end toughness. And then they get this frame of like, 240 to 250. Mark Andrews with the uh, the Ravens wide receiver when he was in like in high school. You just see these wide receiver skills, and then you see them running like a linebacker chasing them. They got to be like, holy shit! That's why back to rugs to wrap this up. There is not a wide rec- or a corner on the field that can run with them. It, it cannot happen. It's why when Deshaun has been healthy in his career, he has been unstoppable. Right? If the quarterback can get him the ball, yeah, he can consistently score. It does feel like rugs, like they just have no clue what's going on with him. And I don't know yet whose fault it is, but I just know they got the first choice of receivers and their guy's not. And I thought it would get, when we saw him early in the year and he wasn't being productive, I thought, oh, this will come. Like clearly by the end of the year, this is going to be six catches a game. And it just has never, it's never arrived. It's crazy. I I even thought even if his catch number was like, let's say 35 to 40, I thought he'd have like four or five touchdowns, right? Because there was a moment in that Chiefs game where he hit it. It's just like, you know, you're that electric, right? He just hit an end around, hit like a screen pass. It's yeah. hard to think. He's it's like 23 Kyle, catches and two touchdowns right now. If you had Kyle or Andy or Sean Payton scheming for this guy, don't you think they would get him into the end zone? I feel like just because they would the give part, him the opportunity to make plays. When I say I don't know who to blame, that's the part that I feel like you blame the organization. Because I, I think on other teams this guy would have twice as many catches and – Four times as many touchdowns. Maybe not four, but he. I watch him, and I think, like you said, he should be, you know, 38 catches and six touchdowns, not 23 catches and two touchdowns. I think it's fair to say when the season ends, if you look back at the first round of all the guys that kind of played in meaningful games past, like, September, his season is going to go down as one of the most disappointing, right? Yeah, well, it's the it's – of the top 50 guys, it's the least productive. He's the worst. Yeah, he's the least productive. Now, do I feel better about him than I do Jalen Rager? I mean, if you just said take these two guys and put them on T-Max, yeah, I would still want Henry Ruggs, right? Yeah. But I think the Eagles would say we would we would have taken drugs over Rager. That's right. <laughs> you know, we wanted that guy. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly right. All right, some other things to get to. I mean, I, I Seattle's coming down thirteen nine as we record this, and we got we got Chargers Broncos tied at sixteen with forty five <laughs> seconds left. The Chargers are going to kick a field goal to win the game. 
How about the Falcons guy? I mean, it wasn't even close. Not close. I guess it was kind of close, but it really wasn't cool. that close. Has he been bad or has he been good? I just think it's just he's been in that spot a couple times yeah. and he's missed some big spots. I, it's just like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like the Falcons have just found themselves in games that don't matter when they're out of it, yet they're in the game in that spot and they've missed it. So it's like actually missing that is the right thing for the franchise, but it does. It, they're just getting made fun of in that moment. Like, of course he missed. Here comes you know? John. Here comes the money badger from 37 yards. If you're listening to this, uh, well, I mean, you are listening to this. You already know what happens, and he nails it. He nailed it. Um, that that I, means that who do the Chargers play next week? Are they going to go like seven and nine when it feels like they're a three win team? I heard someone say, and I do think this makes sense because the Urban Meyer report that came out today that you talked about. The only team that I could see directly correlated with his name was the Jags. I did not find when multiple teams had reached out, it didn't come out who the other teams were. And I saw a lot of people like, God, he's got to take the Charger job, got to take the Charger job. They play they play the Chiefs, who have nothing to play for. And look like it. <laughs> and are just completely over it. So there is a chance that maybe Andy's mad, like – like, hey guys, we need to like we can't just take seven weeks off and then a bye week and then just expect oh. like, to turn it on. I so, Taylor Heineke. But you're right. I mean, they win this game, they win that game. They are seven and nine. I get back to my point. Like Anthony Lynn, I don't think it's a lock that he gets fired. Can I? Uh, which is which is insane. One take but. from the weekend I loved because I just saw the commercial. The the, the the your Mike. How is Mike Singletary playing a coach? In like, a, I don't even know if the commercials for like Amazon Web Services or it's Microsoft. For some reason, Microsoft only takes like Eagle for people from the Eagles in all their commercials. But I don't know what that commercial. Just think for. about though, if you just just close your eyes and think about guys that maybe Mike Shanahan has too much money. Uh, uh, maybe uh, you know there there has to be some college coaches that are out there. You couldn't. Urban Meyer wouldn't do it. Again, might have too much money, might not want to do it. Uh, there has to be a, Jeff Fisher, who does FanDuel. He's not interested. Mike Singletary is an all-time great football player. As a coach, like, I, I, I'm trying to think of an analogy. Like, what would the equivalent? Like, he couldn't be any worse at the position they're putting him out there. And he has a whistle. Like, he's playing a coach. The marketing agent for him deserves a lot of credit, guy. He was recently at a high school in Texas, relieved of his duties after two seasons. If you go to the Wikipedia, he was 1-21 over a two-year span. 1-21. Fired from high school, right? The guy, like, he has tried to coach. Remember, he went to Baylor as a linebacker coach. Like, at several different levels, he's awful at it. And I, I say this all the time. Just because you really like sports, uh, you probably, depending on your personality or whatever, might be able to talk about it. But ultimately, what coaches are, are guys that like are in love with basketball, baseball, or, ba- or football, right? Or golf, or whatever your sport that you coach is. You love it. Like, you're addicted to that sport. You're kind of like in a more of like isolated. If you're going to talk sports, you're probably going to like more than just one. Whereas a coach, like you are addicted to the one first and foremost. But it doesn't mean the majority of coaches, high school, college, and pro, doesn't mean they're everyone's good at it, right? Just because you say, I'm a coach, doesn't mean you're a good coach, right? And I think Singletary... 
if he wasn't Mike Singletary, he never would have got the countless chances that he got. Like he's he's clearly terrible at his job. Like awful. Like he's just not capable. No, of doing he's not. It. It'd be like um, I was trying to think because you bring up a great question. Like what? What's the? It'd be like John. Uh, you, you a game you called this year? Like FS1, a play-by-play guy. Like John, you're just gonna do play-by-play this week. Yeah, but but I, the difference is be, Mike's I, being I be an functional. NFL head coach. Like if you said I'm gonna we're gonna hire somebody to play a coach in this commercial, who should we hire? Like we got this guy who's a former NFL head coach. No one would bat an eye. They'd be like, great hire. It'd be like if they were doing an ad for filmmaking and they used the guy that, remember that movie, The Disaster Artist? If they used that guy as like a serious director and had him play a director. Is he playing Mike Singletary in this commercial? Is it clear that it's like supposed to be uh, him? I had it on my second TV sure. and it was muted. So I, yeah, I mean, I, I think, because typically it does, right? Like yeah, when you the, the copper thing with Jerry Rice and Brett Favre, like for example, that. That commercial is beyond stupid, right? Two guys that are in their 50s that are playing pickup football. Like if... That would if you told me you did the equivalent with like Chris Weber and Kevin Garnett at like a local gym, it wouldn't even be believable because they would never do that with random guys. But basketball players can play pickup. No one plays pickup football. Nobody like especially touch football, let alone older people. But at least it's like Brett Favre and Jerry Rice are playing football, so it's like yeah, they're except for Senator Senator Cleary plays a lot of quarterback in um, Wedding Crashers. Yeah, but that but what makes that so funny is no one does that, right? No one plays that. No family plays that game. You might play catch, but you're not like legitimately consistently running routes to like keep a score like you would in basketball or maybe even home run derby. Like you can't really do it in football. It's what makes football so unique. But you do have other out. Like Jeff Fisher clearly is kind of a whore. He's got with FanDuel. He's like trying to do some shit. Like if Jeff Fisher was in that commercial, I don't think any person like me would bat him. Jeff eye, Fisher right? also, I think, is trying to get another job, right? He's just trying to keep his face on TV for... Owners, yeah, but it's like, oh, Jeff Fisher, he's you know he's had some he's successful years. He's like a legitimate think, coach. It pretty, it's hard to be followed by Sean McVay, and that's what it feels like to me, right? He got followed by McVay. He's trying to change the narrative because no, I'm not saying he had bad moments. No, no, right? no, he I know. Bad- I'm just saying like, why is he out there? I think part of it is feels like he because remember he did some interviews. Did he do? Did he do a barstool? Pardon my take interview like early on, or he did some videos. Yeah, I, mean, with I, I think them he's made his, something. Yeah, he's made his media rounds. I think. Yeah. But he's also more, I think, at, at his core, Jeff's a little more guy's guy Like, he could just bullshit about football and have a good time. Like, I don't think single. that's hearing Singletary talk over the years. Like, I don't think he transitions very well just other normal humans. I think that's part of why he's not a good coach. Like, part of being a good coach, I say this all the time about Nick Saban. He might be a weirdo or whatever. And same with Belichick. They clearly, in just one-on-one settings with other young humans, can relate. And, and get them to comprehend whatever they're teaching. Right, right. right. <laughs> like, Singletary uh, cannot. So, we got a little Hail Mary here. Uh, Chargers, you, I, they might go 7-9, guy. I know. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I do think one of the crazier stories of the year, because it was so hammered home, and it almost felt in concrete. And it shouldn't have because the other team was right on their heels and now comfortably is they officially are the number one pick. Sam Darnold's Jets career was over. Like it was done. Even there is no chance, maybe his dad or maybe some of his close friends texting with him, like it had to have come up in conversations with him personally. Like, God, this is kind of crazy. Just stay focused, man. It'll all play itself out. Right. But play itself out like wherever you're Put you're some good end tape up. out there. 
yeah, like, hey, we don't need to buy that home, you know, you know, in the suburbs where Tony Soprano live. Like, we're just keep renting. It'll be smart. You know, you can buy in Pittsburgh or San Francisco. He is not only is he on the team. I actually think you watch him, you go, if they can just build this team, he's an NFL quarterback, right? If guys like Jared Goff and Jimmy Garoppolo can get huge money. I'm not saying I feel great about giving huge money, but I'm just saying like he can be a quarterback that starts on a team for a decade if his team's good. Oh, I, I agree. Think. Yeah, I agree. Or have with the that. opportunity to turn himself into that. I agree with that. I think the problem is like if you told me you were getting Jimmy Garoppolo or Sam Darnold, sorry, or Baker Mayfield at two, you if you were the Jets, if that's what you knew Sam Darnold was going to be, you would draft another quarterback and trade Sam Darnold or keep him around, whatever. But 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 we're three years into like it is what it is, you know. Like if they could do that over. Josh Allen goes one, and Lamar goes No, no, three, I'm just saying, like, right? right now, today, like, in the way this plays itself out, you're right. Like, it's kind of like, God, is he going to get traded? But to your point, he's got to be better than Baker Mayfield or better than Jimmy Garoppolo to justify passing on a quarterback if you think that's a franchise quarterback in this draft. You're saying you still think there's a chance he gets traded? Yeah, I'm saying the next head coach has to still like him more than what Justin yeah. Fields could be or what Zach Wilson could be. Because him just being Baker Mayfield, who I think Sam might be better than, or Jimmy Garoppolo, in five years you'll look back and go, well, we should we should have taken one of the other guys maybe. That's not good. That, yeah. At this point, when you have – if they had the 10th pick, then fine. You just roll with them. But with the second pick, that's not good enough. You have to think he's going to be better than that, I guess is what I'm saying. You're, say, you're saying that with the Jets having the second pick, they still have the opportunity, to, if they think they can get a guy that's much better than Sam Darnold, offload Sam Darnold, take that guy, and reset on a cheap rookie contract. The one elephant in the room or major variable with Sam Darnold is the first thing you have to do this offseason is pick up his fifth-year option, so you're already kind of the home stretch of the cheap rookie deal, right? Yeah, I think— Where you could you could kind of reset it with Zach Wilson, let's say. I still think there's a chance he's better than Baker or Jimmy, just to use the two guys you used. Let's just say this. If you think Zach Wilson can be equally as good as Sam Darnold or slightly better, doesn't it just make the sense to trade Sam Darnold and take him and just kind of reset the clock? Yeah, although you could argue if you're, it does from a financial standpoint for sure. Now you could also argue, well, we can, if we already think we're good at quarterback because we think he's good enough. But isn't part of the football – the biggest element of success in football for the most part is having a rookie contract really changes the way you can build a team for a two or three year period. Yeah. But also having you the second pick, down. but it's not, you're not taking a guy with a rookie contract at seven. Like you could be taking a generational left tackle or another, right. You could be taking somebody spectacular at number two. Why well, I read like you could immediately just take Panay Sewell, move one of the guys to right tackle. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But if you're Beckton, you're like, well, I'm a great yeah, the left tackle. Yeah, the argument would be like, well, you just tackle. took a great left tackle. Don't use that pick on a tackle. Yeah, take a tackle in the second or third round. Take a sweet corner or take a great wide receiver or or do this guy. Trade back. You need you, you need a million things. Trade the six. Get an extra second round pick and a or two twos, right? Go Have a guy go from four or five to two. We get your two this year and your two next year and your three this year and kind of, you know, reload. And you already have a one. Which that I think you can talk yourself into. They they have options, and I think an option that just no one thought was possible is like Sam Darnold is a legitimate option. Again, depending we're we're talking about teams that don't have a coach, which makes us weird. And that's where I think so much conversation comes with Atlanta, with Detroit slash Stafford, with the Jacksonville situation. 
I think there are a couple teams that like, there's always a shocker. Or, Damn. When I text you on Monday morning, a black Monday of like, Jerry Jones actually did it or damn Doug Peterson really got fired right or whatever the situation is it'd be a little surprising if that doesn't happen right if a Schefter or a rap sheet tweet on Monday morning of like no one saw this coming but they have told so-and-so he's been relieved of his duties right or so-and-so team has decided John Gruden has given Mark Davis's money back probably won't happen but like, I, I think we're a year away from... Like, I don't see Gruden doing this to lose every year. I just... No, but I, I, I watch also think it's not like he, I think if you're him, I'm, I'm making a joke. And I'm making a joke based off of the great quote that you found on Saturday, which was Gruden from when he got hired, which was, I'm not going to steal their money if... What was the exact quote? If I'm not getting it done, I'm not going to take their yeah. money. I mean, if you're him, like and I don't think not, I don't think he's here necessarily to steal. Like, he's not... No, no, no. He's trying. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like... They're not, if they were a three win team and it was like, God, this Gruden just, the game has passed him by. That's not what this looks like. It's not good enough. It's not acceptable, quote unquote. But it's also like, I could see him. He hits the offseason going, fuck, we're close. We were six and three. I just think for him, it's a huge letdown given the hype slash the money. It is. Right? But I also think he's had enough successes that he's, he'd be inspired. Like, I can, I'm close to figuring this out. But you're right. We may be a year or two away from. It being too much. Yeah, I, I think part of it with some of these coaches, when we were growing up, I, I just think, you know, 20 years ago, there is such a difference between, even if a, a guy got a million dollars, let's say in 95, and that was a million dollars was a lot of money in 95. There is a huge difference in some of these guys that have signed, even at like, a, if you go to Fresno State and you sign a four-year, $8 million deal, like that's a lot of money. It just changes your life. And you coach – these coaches now have so much cash that it's like – I see it with Steve Kerr and the Warriors. Do I see Steve Kerr going through like three shitty years? Like I just – not that like – I just – like, you know, I'm not made for this. Take He's done it before in Phoenix. You know, yeah. some of these guys – now Gruden to me is football – he's football – like being a coach defined him. Being a coach doesn't define Steve Kerr. Like I'm not saying he's going to quit because he doesn't like coaching or whatever – I just wonder if he thought it was going to be a little bit easier, if it was going to – I don't even know. I mean, it's yeah, just I, – I, it's not going well. No, it's not. No. Here, here's one for you. Um, who, will quarter, who will start the most games at quarterback in 2021 for the Philadelphia Eagles? Because I think it's going to be Carson Wentz. Yeah. I think this I think Jalen Hurts thing is going to be a lot of noise at the end. He just threw a pick. It, yeah, he just threw a pick as we're recording this. Jalen Hurts is not going to be the future quarterback of the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, maybe Carson's going to be bad again next year, but... T- today, I thought, was probably a pretty good day for Carson Wentz. Of just like, okay, guys, you know... When we started this podcast, I think they were up 13 to... Like, the Eagles were winning by two touchdowns. <laughs> now they're getting their ass kicked. Yeah. Well, I mean, a couple hours later, it's changed. And he's... Now he's throwing for 300 yards. Again, I'll give, I'll give Jalen Hurts this. He is a lot better than I envisioned him being at Oklahoma. And I think he's made himself of like... Yeah, or Alabama, he's just going to be in the mix for a long time. Because I, I saw someone saying this last night, like, you know, Jalen Hurts, or not Jalen Hurts, but Tua getting benched, like, is this the right thing to do? And there's a lot of going back and forth. Like, let's remember how that guy got his job. By benching a guy who had won a national championship and been to another. Like, that guy had got his job through this. And I think this always goes back to Mike Golick, forever on Mike and Mike, 
always had this take that like was always gets so mad that quarterbacks are treated with such kid gloves when he's like, I don't even think you have to do this. He's like every other guy in the locker room is always ready unless you're fucking Reggie White, right? There's maybe two or three guys in every locker room, Max. Some teams have zero. That at any moment could be like, yeah, just yank me off the field. Right? And I might come back two series later. Might come back in a play. I might might just get my ass chewed. I know I got to take it. And I just got to wear it. Remember there was like a, was it Monday Night Football when we were, Calais Campbell was laid off the field or it was Thursday Night Football. And like there, the Ravens had like 15 guys on the field and Calais Campbell man defending man of the year is like pleading his case as he's getting screamed at. Like it's just the nature of the beast for every position except quarterbacks. And it's like, you know, fuck yank him off. My take is I've become a little more old school with that. Like, you know, like who gives a shit? Like Carson Wentz. When I talk to my friends in the league, like how should they play this? They're like, regardless how they play it, Carson can't say a word. No. He's being paid a premium. They've been, they've given him everything he needs. Like it's called you got every be a pro, like buddy. you said. Every other guy in your locker room goes. This is my life every day. Right. I, I'd even argue that like this year, Aaron. Rod- I thought Aaron Rodgers, for the most part, maybe on a couple days after draft, he had said something, but it wasn't even that bad. I think he's handled it as well. Like he kind of set the bar of like if Aaron can handle it like that. Like remember Alex? Like. Yep. The bar's kind of set now in the NFL of like what high character, high level quarterbacks. You just kind of got to keep your mouth shut because if you don't, I think you look like kind of a slappy immediately. Yep. And if that's how you're feeling and you're just keeping your mouth shut because you know you're going to look like a slappy, but your performance—I well, think you're recover. allowed to feel that way, right? So, yeah, you're allowed. To, you're allowed to feel that way, but your performance, like whether or not you respond to it, kind of affects how we think you handled it internally. Whereas, to it, to your point, like. Part of the reason maybe Brian Flores can do it is because Tua can handle it. It's the kind of thing that you that if Tua was in his fifth year in the league would feel very different than rookie Tua. And you know what I love about Brian Flores is that he are, he immediately says like, "No, Tua's our starter next week." Yeah, it's a wild situation, and it's you can't do it forever. And Fitzpatrick, I was telling you this before the podcast, feels to me like if he played another sport, Fitzpatrick, if he played baseball, it would be like the fourth outfielder on a team. He's with the franchise for 11 years. He's had like two or three huge postseason hits. He drinks for free. And it's just the nature of baseball is you don't play every day, but you can still be a major impact player. He just happens to play a sport, a position where you can't, like no one's going to trade for Fitzpatrick and try to make him their starter next year in a year that they think they're a playoff team. It's weird, right? Because he clearly can win you football games. He's better than most guys. On any given day, he can look like a top 15 quarterback, but he's not. The one thing I would say is that for next week alone, I don't know all the playoff scenarios. It still has to be worked out. With the, We're recording this before the Titans game. Their best chance to win is starting Fitzpatrick. Like right now in a vacuum, Fitzpatrick's a better player. I just think consistently if you needed to win a game, uh, but I, I, he's balancing this kind of tightrope of like – yeah. It's a weird situation. It's very old school. I, I I think it's you never see. Well, this you're guy. right. It helps that Fitzpatrick comes in and wins the games because it is a tightrope. But I mean, he was winning before Tua got there, right. and I think he, they've been more explosive on offense with the same random guys. Uh, I I I just it's weird. I think he's balancing like trying to make the playoffs, but also like this is our franchise quarterback. Like 
I got to keep starting them. I don't want to bench them. It's a, it's a weird kind of in no man's land spot to be of like, there's not really a right or wrong answer with it. There's some short term, right answers, but long term, like it'd be hard to not play him in this game. And then you're just, you know, he's your quarterback next year. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the biggest Tua guy again. Like, Here's the thing, and there were some arguments last night on, on going on social media. Like, Pete Prisco was like, guys, they picked the wrong guy. And everyone's like, you're just crushing Tua. Like, no, I'm not even talking. I'm just saying if they would ra- Herbert's a better player. Like, that's not arguable. He's been benched in a, in a month span twice where they lost the Denver game, but immediately Fitzpatrick takes him down the field. Same scenario. And typically in a benching, I was thinking about this during the game. If, you would, if we did a study... The majority of teams that benched a quarterback in a game, I would imagine like a true benching, it doesn't happen in the fourth quarter. It either happens coming out of halftime or probably early in the third quarter. Like to me, the fourth quarter is like, we gave two a long fucking leash. I was praying to God, but this is like, it's a little bit of a desperate move. Especially with is that good, fair to say? yeah, especially with good with teams that are good. Like sometimes they almost manage it like they're a six win team where they like wait a long time, right? It's weird, and they're getting away with because I think they're trying to help him up, out. Like they're, they're trying to they're, but like, facilitate his success. You're right, it's this tightrope of like they're doing that at a time when the result of the game that because early on it was like yeah, what does it really matter for the Dolphins? But then they kept winning and they kept winning and they kept winning, and now they're a playoff team and they could win eleven games doing this. It's really From crazy. What you. If you think we did a redraft, for every time that I've ever heard, and I use this and you use this all the time, if we did a redraft, there's never been a redraft in the history of redrafts uh, in reality. But they're fun to play on the uh, best. podcasts yeah. and radio and YouTube. Twitter. If In YouTube. If you did it. Does Tua go in the top 10? Um, what you're saying with everything we know now? I don't think so. I don't think so Because, either. now, by the way, Justin Herbert, who... Week 16, set a rookie touchdown passing record. Now, again, he's breaking. I think, like, Baker had the record. Like, it's the game is different, right? Yeah. Uh, also, th- it became just the second quarterback in NFL history to throw for 4,000 yards through his first 14 games um, with Patrick Mahomes. I think Nick Mullins might have narrowly missed out on that stat. But, <laughs> but he belongs – like, this, what we've watched from Herbert, belongs in this conversation, right? Um, and then you add to it. Like, Tua, Tua has some box scores that are shocking in some ways when you look at him. Because if you just looked at his completions and attempts, you'd go, huh? And then you look at his yardages and you go, yeah, that matches what I saw, right? As an example against the Raiders. He was 17 of 22. Who would complain about that? Yeah. For 90, You just told me that alone. Like, Aaron Rodgers had For 94 right? yards. Yeah. And he made one throw, I thought, where he, like, dodged and ducked and dived and climbed the pocket and then throw a bullet over the middle. I was like, whoa. But those are the vast exceptions of the play. You can watch the Dolphins for multiple offensive possessions, right? And not only does he not flash, but they don't even, they try to, they don't even let him do anything that would allow him to flash. You know what I'm saying? I, like, think, his po- I think his pocket presence is actually one of his uh, redeeming attributes and his feel. I just think like his physical gifts when you watch it and just like making plays because you go all game long if you're defending him, you go, oh, the, and I did it on Twitter. I'm like, I'm not going to judge him. 
But it's like their their talent isn't there. And then Fitzpatrick comes in and bang, bang, boom, and they fucking drive 90 yards in the blink of an eye, and he looks like a normal quarterback. It's like, well, is he just not letting it rip? What is going on? Because you're right. You just watch it. You go, something is missing. I just, it doesn't pop. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't but I don't, pop. I don't watch it and think that, like, he's overwhelmed. Like, I, I do, part, I do reserve a little bit for, he could, I could see that they just give him no rope. And part of that's on him. But they just give him his leash is really short, and that in three or four years he'll look he'll look different than he looks now. Like I, because from every other element, right? He's he's a high level guy. He's a smart guy. He's a high level football guy. Clearly, is competitive. I do think he sees. I like you said. I think he does have a good feel for things. Again, when you watch him, you can watch multiple series where they don't let him do anything. Yeah. It feels like. So I don't watch him and think he's overwhelmed. It's weird. Like. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird. But the but it's not physical. Like, you watch Herbert, and just physically, he imposes his physicality on the game. And, he, and Burrow was a good example of his team sucked, but it always felt like he was pushing the envelope, right, when you watched him, like, pushing the yes. ball down the field. It feels like Tua's almost gun-shy because he goes, my guys aren't open enough. Well, it's like, Tua, they're, not as, they're just not open on your team. Like, look at Fitzpatrick, threading the needle. You got you to gotta push Alabama the envelope. Alabama guys are wide open. Yeah, that's I think true. he's used to that. And that's why when I get back to Mac Jones, is he planning an all-star team? Because to, it, I know for a fact who it was. Like, I know for a fact who it yeah, was on but we all, we also, Yeah, we also know – now, you're right. We also know Herbert's talent, offensive talent around him is pretty special, right? He's got some really good players yeah. around him. But again, he just – he just imposes his physical you, – like, you feel him. I think Tua is going to be a fascinating guy just to like how this goes. Because the Texans, who I, I kept thinking, like, guys, everyone's overhyping this pick. The Houston, the Houston Texans, they play the Bengals. Yeah. That, that's going to get to five. You know, just they're going to end up winning more games than you think. Then I'm looking up today, they lose the to the Bengals. Right now. So it just it is a little more fascinating than I imagined it being. Especially after we watched had, the Kyler thing play out with Rose. Did you think when you just looked at the games today, like, before the games kicked off, that the Houston Texans were going to lose to the Bengals? No, I still. But the problem is, I don't watch the Tech. I still think of the Texans like a solid football team. Me too. But they're and not. They're not. No, they're not good. Um, you know, by that measure, and you've been saying this a lot, and there have been a few games where people go, "Oh, what are you guys talking about?" And the Browns are, you know, Stefanski. We're fans. We're we, you and I, right? We are pro Stefanski. But they do, and I watched them again today thinking, and you've put the seat in my head a few months ago, like there is a fifth-year option decision coming up on Baker Mayfield, and it's going to cost a lot of money. Like we're talking about making this guy probably, what, almost a $30 million player? Yeah. And I think I, I've watched him a lot this year, so maybe I'm just recency bias. Missing all the wide receivers all got contact tracing. He's still st- – there's still he skips more passes than I think any guy any starting quarterback in the NFL like just comes up short on 20 yard throws a lot if I if I'm defending him I I do just wonder if like everyone knew what they were doing I saw Stefanski said because their whole wide receiver Peoples Jones Landry they all got contact traced. Odell's been gone yeah they rolled today with a bunch of practice squad guys Stefanski said at eight in the morning this morning in a freezing cold parking lot they did a walkthrough they never in a million years just to teach some of these guys the place but that, but so like, what I'm saying doesn't. I, okay, get rid of today's games. Like I've, like I, I still think that take holds up. Now you're right. I mean, his, I, I, 
I think he is in I'm large not a, I'm not part a, fan. a, I'm not a I'm I think to be his best, he needs to have those really good players around him and be on Stefanski's team. Now, he is on and Stefanski's have, team. And have the line block for him. But he is on Stefanski's team. And he does have, when they're healthy, really good receivers. So maybe it's fine, but... Yeah, I think he's a fascinating case study with the money. Because clearly you can you can go to the playoffs with him if your team's really good. I think he's like a poor man's golf. <laughs> I'd take Goff over Baker, I think. Um, I don't know. I don't want either. Yeah, Goff's pretty terrible. I just saw Darlington tweet, like, why does Aikman hate Goff so much? Like, and not in, like, a snarky way. Like, he's Darlington tweeted something about, does Aikman have a track record for not giving Goff any respect? I mean, Goff's 23 of 40, 220 yards, no touchdowns. Darlington tweeted. Seattle's defense. Aikman feels almost uncomfortable giving Goff giving credit to Goff for literally not missing a snap after popping a thumb back into place. Can't understand his disdain for him. So bizarre. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, just th- maybe, maybe he's a Jeff Fisher guy. Maybe they don't connect. <laughs> <laughs> maybe they just don't connect. Yeah, I mean, I, maybe he just watches them. If I was a former player, and I was a former really good player, it's why I understand the NBA guys do it, and Troy clearly watches film every week. And I watch guys that were making huge money and I didn't think were that good. And let's say I had personal interaction with them. I just think I'm kind of indifferent. I just might not like the – like as a scout, right? And that's kind of what Aikman is. He's just – he watches football and then he's paid to talk about it, right? It just becomes public, his view. Maybe he just dis- has distaste for the player. He goes, this guy? This is what's playing the li- – like this? Again, we I don't like certain players. That's just like I wouldn't – maybe he just has that. If you had to verbalize it – Maybe he just can't take him seriously. Maybe he just watches this guy and thinks he stinks. And honestly, guy, Jared Goff had a bad year last year in the sense that he, I think he lost some of the juice, right, coming off the Super Bowl year. But I think people like, you know, he's still solid. I think he's had a really bad year of just like the universal take went from, you know, Jared Goff kind of indifferent. You know, he's probably not as bad right. as you guys are. To like now, if you just ask like, oh, God, Jared Goff stinks. <laughs> I think he's kind of gets the Kirk Cousins treatment now. Like, yeah, that guy's just not good. Yeah. And I think Kirk Cousins is kind of like, you know, I watch Cousins, he's not as bad as I thought. <laughs> I know this, though. Like, every time you think that, it comes back to bite you. But he's their, their offense is humming. Like, I, I, I would take Cousins right now over Goff without hesitation. I agree Cousins with that. Cousins is a better player than, than Goff. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, I went from thinking, I'd rather have Jimmy than Cousins. I'd change. I'd rather have Cousins. Goff, for sure, than Cousins. Change. I'd rather have Cousins. Yep. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think Jared Goff has gotten worse. Like, I just think he's just – there's like a comfort level with him. He feels kind of lost. Like, I, I, is he lost some confidence? Has he just – I don't know. Have guys – are they run defenses that throw him off? His eye test is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, any, anything else we got? I mean, there's there was a lot to get That's to. That's all today. I got. Happy New Year, everybody. Find us on the tube. Yeah, happy, find us on the tube. Go subscribe to the page. Adios. Peace. 2020. In the rear view. Catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com amazing to start your springtime adventure.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.